I, I guess um, just do do the intro that you normally do and say, right, we're going to pick up where oh, we yeah. left off with the AJW right. uh, Budokan Hall 985 yeah. show. Um, and we're going to talk about the big, the like. Do we need to recap what's, what we the matches that we've already talked about and just say so the the matches that we talked about in the last episode were these and now it's this. Oh, I mean, I mean, we never do. I remember all their names. <laughs> like, it's okay. I can, I can, I can, I can pitch in with that. Right. You just just do a very smooth. Uh, George, can you d- delineate for me, if you will, the uh, difference between <laughs> yeah. a burrito and yeah. a enchilada? I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a Linum esque segue. Uh, <laughs> Hello. Uh, Shouldn't you be at work? Back to the Pro Free Podcast. Uh, I am your host Daniel, and I'm here with my friends as always, David and George, and our special guest, um, who, if you listened to um, our last episode that was covering all Japan and the wonderful world of Joshi, is uh, Sarah. Um, so, hello, everybody. Uh, we are uh, currently going to be talking about the last two matches on the uh, Budokan card um, from '85. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe George, you could give us like a little uh, recap of the things we've already looked at, and we can then look forward to these final matches. Okay, well, f- first up on the show was a tag match between people whose names I have written down, but can't really see what I've written. So that's a good start. Anyway, no footage of this match exists, so it's not like we can review it anyway. Then nah. we reviewed four and three quarter stars. Yeah, four yes. three quarter stars. <laughs> Eight stars of Yano. Like, look, look, look. Meltzer's on the point of like just having four and three quarter stars as a baseline for any New Japan match that may or may not have taken place in this or any other dimension. So you know, why the fuck not? Meltzer gets yeah. up and gives his like a Honey Nut Cheerios six stars in the morning. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I thought he loved Honey Nut Cheerios. I'd probably give nah, him six they, stars as well. You love more when they're they in the Tokyo Dome, mate. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after what the breakfast menu is like in the Tokyo Dome? <laughs> I know, I'm really. Interested. I bet it's overpriced and fish based. Is, is it as good as the Dale Cafe, though? Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yes, so then uh... we... I think there's going to be a lot of anywaying. Um, then we had um, Yukari Amori versus uh, Monster Ripper, a.k.a. Ronda Singh, a.k.a. Bertha Faye out of WWF, but let's not mention that, which was a brief but entertaining sort of semi-hoss match. And then we had the atrocious alliance of Dump Matsumoto and Bonacano versus the jumping bomb angels of Itsuki Yamazaki and Noria Tateno in a incredibly wild, crazy, and just downright dangerous brawl in which I think the referee took more punishment than uh, anyone else in the match. And yeah, there was two guy. out of three falls as well, so that was uh, rather entertaining. However, I think it's fair to say that with the two matches we're about to cover, uh, things somewhat kick up a notch. So um, <laughs> Just a bit, and yeah. Yeah, just a bit, in that the next match we're about to cover is... If it's not my favourite match of the entire 1980s, it is definitely up there. 
and uh, that is for the um, All Pacific title, which was uh, AJW's secondary singles belt. Uh, it is uh, Devil Masami defending the title against uh, Chikisa Nagayo. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into this match. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, before we begin, we should probably talk a little bit about. Uh, well, we should talk about both of these uh, of these people, but um, Chigusa, we've kind of already touched on a little bit because we uh, spoke um, or mentioned, I think, in passing, uh, the cultural phenomenon that was the uh, the Crush Gals, um, and quite how uh, sort of certain sections of like, especially young um, women and like sort of um, young school children um, in Japan were gripped by this. Now, there's some estimations that state that this was pretty much on a par, if not much more sort of bigger in terms of like cultural saturation than like Hulkamania was in, in the US. Um, some people say that. I don't know if that's like, you know, um, a thing that's necessarily true. But yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, should we talk about Chigusa first or, or Devil? What do you think? Um, Let's talk about Chigusa because yeah. she's a yeah. badass. Yeah. She's like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Okay. So yeah. What's amazing to me about, about Chigusa is this, in many ways, this is pretty much the peak of women's wrestling now from a work rate perspective you can pretty much kind of say that once we get into sort of like the early to mid 90s we get to sort of 93 95-ish that's when you know you're having the greatest women's wrestling matches of all time which are also like just the greatest wrestling matches of all time but what's happening here in the mid 80s is that Chigusa is basically spearheading this giant movement where women's wrestling is a cultural phenomenon it's a popular cultural phenomenon aimed almost exclusively young women and that's something that you know I probably going on for a couple of years ago now I ended up in a quite brutal Twitter argument with a dude who was at the time a senior writer on um, another wrestling publication which is obviously less good than our website because this guy wrote for it um (laughs) in which he in which he he literally told me I, I I was explaining to him that you know actually WWE is investing more in its female wrestlers because they might have realised that actually women like to spend money on supporting other other women and that actually maybe this is an audience. And he told me that there was no point because wrestling is crass male power theatre. And (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And I was just like, you know what? Chigusa Nagayo, 30 years ago, was the living antidote to this. This is everything that, you know, this is. In many ways, it's called, it's kind of, this is a female equivalent of the wish fulfillment that, you know, a lot of Attitude Era men did in 1999 when Stone Cold first went on his tear. This is yeah, absolutely yeah. the the wave of support that this woman has. And you see it when it comes out in this match. Every time she bridges out of a pin or every time she gets a bit of a comeback spot, you, there's practically kids in the audience needing to be yeah. taken outside by their parents. Like, it's absolutely yeah. mental. Yeah. Come on, Marco, you've had enough. Is it me when I went to see Jushin Liger, but with like thousands of Japanese girls? Yeah, <laughs> all, it's exactly like, like that. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, and when, I'd just like to say I've never been as happy for anyone seeing a wrestling match as I was <laughs> knowing that you got to see Jushin Liger. Just imagine well, that much joy on thirty thousand young women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, you know what? I wish I'd been alive to chain watch Chigusa Nagayo's matches because I yeah. genuinely think this would have been an incredible time to be a wrestling fan. Like, yeah, this yeah. was the, 1985. I was not born at this point. Uh, I don't think any of us were actually, were we? Um, uh, no, I was born the first week of 86. No, 
Yeah. 89 I was. Yeah. So none of us were even alive at this point, but it feels like this would have been, you know, when you look at what was happening in different parts of the world in the wrestling industry, this was absolutely a point where it was damn near its peak. You've got the rock and wrestling connection happening in the States as well. Yeah. Just, what a time to be alive. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think, <laughs> I think uh, um, a good uh, comparison from myself would be if you were a Leicester fan. Yeah. And you um you had like, a season ticket for the season before and just to have like you know, see every game and be part of that and a week in, week out, just have this amazing story unfolding. I feel that it would be a lot like that in terms of, you know, just going every time you go, it's just better and better yeah. and just really good and yeah. you don't you don't ever want it to end basically. You never yeah. want to have a bad show or anything like that, but mm. it doesn't look like it will. No, Andrea Bocelli comes out at the end and sings some J pop. Don't, don't, you'll make me cry. <laughs> What's amazing about uh, about AJW at this point, though, I mean, we, we talk about, the, we, we, we've talked about how incredibly influential the Crush Gals were at this point, and it's not like Chigusa was at the point where she no longer had to have her occasional pop career as well, so she was, yeah. doing, so, she was doing some of that at the same time. But, I mean, one of each of the Crush Gals is in the top two matches on this card, yeah. and both of them are... All right. On the one hand, they all had you know their pop star careers as well, but they can really, really bloody wrestle by this. Yeah, point. and oh, it's a pleasure goodness. to watch like, this match. Yeah, I mean yeah, before yeah. before we get into like the actual wrestling, I mean you, um, Dave Meltzer will often say that because I think he saw yeah. Chigas alive um, at least once, and he says yeah, he's, he's, he has yeah. never. And this guy has been to a lot of wrestling. Um, he has. He's seen Super Dragon in Reseda, don't you know? Um, he, has, <laughs> he has never experienced as intense a live reaction in person as he has to Chikisa Nagayo with these mm. young Japanese women at AJW shows. I mean, to, to give you an example, um, the hail of multicoloured streamers that she receives when she's standing oh, in the ring. Yeah. This is the amount that you would get at someone's retirement ceremony. She yeah. is yeah. absolutely just buried in them i mean it's it's quite weird because devil masami i guess if there is a heel in this match and you can quibble whether there is or there isn't she would be the nominal heel it's not like the fans really dislike her they still cheer when she comes out and she's really over but at the same time chigas's reaction absolutely dwarfs hers and devil masami was a huge star as well See, I mean, and it was that that made me think that yeah i I definitely thought that masami was the heel in this when i went and i you know i'm my my pre-knowledge of this is very limited. I'd seen it before, but years ago. But I went in and immediately I was like, Masami's the heel, and I didn't even question it. Yeah. So it's interesting that you know that still she was still a big face and still getting cheered, but definitely I I went into thinking that she was the the heel definitely mainly yeah. because it was just Nagaya was just so loved. But this is the thing is that you could have put you, could, you know you could have put anyone up against uh, like Ch- Chigusa at this point in her career and they would have come off as the heel. Yeah. Like you know it's like it's because she is and this is the thing that I think um before we sort of dive into the specifics about this match that I wanted to sort of highlight is that for my money she's one of the probably I'd probably go as far as top five um like baby faces of all time. Oh god. Um yeah. in in my opinion until you watch the Gaia Girls documentary. <laughs> um, but um, yes. even, but even then. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll perhaps come on to that later on. Um, oh, God. But, um, yeah, uh, so um, I just think that in terms of a babyface worker, in terms of eliciting sympathy, um, in terms of timing comebacks, in terms of seeming heroic uh, without being kind of like, you know, um, too um, um, over the top in terms of like, trying to bend the rules or anything like that by being kind of um, upstanding and inspirational, she's just so high up on, on that list. I'm talking about like real 
all-time greats, you know, like the, the Ricky Steamboats of, of this world, that mm. kind of thing. Is um, she better than Minami Toyota? Yes, she's unquestioned. In my opinion, I don't even think it's close, but that's just my opinion. Uh, I, I, mm. but I kind of don't I think it's closer agree with than that, but I do agree. No, I, 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 lo- I love Manami Toyota, but I think that um, what the things with Manami Toyota is that I can understand why someone would say she's the greatest ever. I would have her fairly high up in any like list that I did, but um, she's got a slightly different style to Chigusa, and it, just in terms of like style taste, Chigusa like itches that spot. Well, this, this is one thing I was going to ask. One thing I would say that Manami has over Chigusa is that. She's probably got more longevity because I mean she's only retiring now. I mean when was like you see the oh. Crush Girls like Chigusa um, and uh, Linus Aska like how long was their run as the Crush Girls? Did they because I know obviously they retired at the mandatory age, but did they go anywhere else? And um, yeah, they, they 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 did, but like um, I mean they were obviously as we've talked we talked about in the last episode about the mandatory retirement age in AJW, so their peak was necessarily limited by that, whereas by the time uh, Toyota was with AJW, um, she was one of the big stars that actually stuck with them after they were doing badly financially, and a lot of the other women went off to form their own promotions, like uh, uh, yeah. JD Star and Gare and uh, things like that, so they, they couldn't age her out of the promotion because they needed her to draw, so I think that's um, that's part of it. I mean, the Crush Girls were not active as a team um, in the 90s, to the extent where when Gaia first... Uh, actually, uh, there's no tape of this event, I don't think, or none that I can find, which was the Crush Girls versus... I think it was... Um, I think it was uh, Chikasa Nagayo and Akira Hokuto um, in Gaia, 1999. And that was the first time the Crush Girls had teamed up since the 80s, I think. Well, I mean, they split and feuded the, the Crush Girls in about 1989. That was eventually yeah. when the, the two of them finally squared off they, they squared off in the ring and it was a title match that they main evented somewhere in the summer of 1989 and the crowd yeah. that they drew for that and the tv audience that they drew for that as well if i remember correctly from what i read was absolutely insane so this is you know that's four years after the show that we're looking at now and it, they maintained this kind of level of belovedness and overness for basically the whole of the mid and late 80s which is yeah. actually really impressive when you consider say for example wwe's look with trying to keep female talent around for that long <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that um, that match, uh, the match in '89, was that not um, Meltzer's match of the year? I think it was. You know. I mean, or am I? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know, it should I know have he gave been it five stars. I, I, I know he gave it five stars. I, I, think. I don't know if it was his match of the year because there was a lot of other good shit that happened in 1989. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great year for wrestling yeah. as well, but it was yeah, uh, it was that. certainly up there. Um, so yeah, I mean, should we get into like the actual work in the match? Because the thing I would say about the you know, the physical stuff that goes on in the ring is not only was this way, way ahead of its time. Um, oh, yeah. If at 1985, I would say it is timeless. You could do this yeah. match now in front of any wrestling crowd. You know, your fucking work rate marks in uh, PWG or WWE fans or you know, modern Joshi fans, and this would get over. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, this, you know, th- there's. Well, there's a thing I've come to about this that really gives it a special quality that I've never seen in any other match that I that really it put it over the edge. And absolutely, I feel you could do a match like this today and because of the special quality that it has, it would work, no doubt. Yeah. Mm. And like to be honest, the problem is, is you'll find in this match and the one afterwards is that 
I mean, I mentioned before I think it was a WrestleMania episode where I don't really like the WWE Women's Division. I just don't like the work that they do. It's just that I don't enjoy the matches because I feel that they're too preoccupied on trying to do a similar style to the the men's uh, main event stuff. Mm. So there's sort of a similar formula. I can see Sadis formulating a response. Um, but I feel that a style like this would work far better for like the, the, the Divas because it's a far more athletic and... You know, like I mean, the opening exchanges and, and this and stuff like that work. They're at such a fast pace and they're all over the place that they don't really do that anymore. It's just too slow, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. Wrestling, that's the problem that they're the same speed as at like, the men's wrestling, if you know what I mean. Whereas because they are a bit more agile and lighter and stuff like that, I feel that they could get away with doing a faster style. But then again, so could the cruiserweights and they don't do that. So. <laughs> well, yeah, there's more WWE problem than uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly, I, I no, actually, it's a, a WWE problem. Yeah, I don't think it's a... I, I don't think that that's an issue that's actually related to the talent that they've got in the slightest. I think no, they have exactly. a WWE house style that are trying to force on them. And from the, yeah. from the view of the women's division, you know, in, in defence of WWE, the, 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 the Fed's women's division, like, they are... They, they've got some immensely talented women in there they and they've got absolutely. some absolutely amazing workers. But in a lot of ways, it still feels like whilst we're trapped in this storyline, oh, oh, it's a divas revolution slash women's yeah. revolution slash actually we want loads of credit for solving a problem with horrendous sexism that we actually also created. And, <laughs> you know, that's a that that's basically what this whole thing is. And it feels like the storyline that they're still constantly trying to tell with all of the different feuds going on, is that it's almost like a it's like a meta angle of like, look, we're giving them all these storylines. Look, look, we're desperately trying to prove that we're treating our women properly, and that's actually getting to the point where that overshadows the actual wrestling. Yeah, because they're constantly yeah. trying to tell us about how history is being made and about how special everything is. You know what? Shut up and fucking show us. It's that simple. Whereas yeah. here, you. What's great about this match is that you don't need any of that because everybody knows that this match is the dog's bollocks. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, like wrestling didn't used to be about like, you know, creating great moments and things like that. It used to be yeah. about like, you know, titles and like uh, feuds, like, you know, um, yeah. and those things mattering and having import, um, you know, and, and significance. And that actually brings me to another thing that I was going to mention, actually. Well, two things. Firstly, just to come back on the stuff that you mentioned there about um, the the women in WWE, um, I think you could also look at someone like, uh, you know, related to our our interest in, in, in Japanese wrestling, you could also look at someone like Nakamura, who's, um, yes. you know, um, essentially being, having to adapt to that WWE house style, and it's not always as easy. Homogenized. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's kind of weird to see someone who's has kind of quite an incredibly unique style, having it kind of also sort of, but you know, pass it down into this kind of weird mulch. But um, yeah, um, and the other thing I was going to mention was uh, just to come back on the stuff we were talking about with Chigusa was um, the I, I've written down here that um, this this period of AJW is this great bl- blend of all these different types of great um, elements of wrestling. Right, so there's this huge amount of like a real sports intense um, athletic feel to things in terms of yes. the work and the presentation, but there's also all the pageantry as well. Um, you know. Um, Chigusa coming out in a little half gi uh, with the Japanese um, flags and things like that, um, and uh, it's it's got that nice mixture of like yeah pageantry and kind of 
real sports. And I think that's that's the intersect. I'm doing a David Brent again. That's the intersection, yeah. Uh, that's the, uh, the inter- <laughs> sorry, the Tony Wilson's double helix. Um, it's, if uh, if I had to name three yeah. geniuses, I wouldn't say Masami, Asuka, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I, I'd say Bastian Booger. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, if we are talking about like the the pageantry and the build up to this match, then can we just take a split second just to talk a little bit about Devil Masami as well? Because yeah, well, we need, definitely. Yeah, because yes. the the thing that I love about Devil, especially sort of in the the opening and the entrances of this match, is AJ Dub and a, a large proportion of like Japanese wrestling up until uh, has continued this long tradition of terrifying heels having weirdly incongruous music so yeah yeah so devil masami comes out where with, with this music that does not seem to belong to you know scary monster heel and she's also wearing this lovely sort of floral pink thing when she first comes out as well you know it's oh yeah very, it's, yeah and very nice yeah it's very uh, and it's quite sort of flirty and quite quite feminizing as well yeah. and then she ta- and then she takes all of that off and she is menacing as shit because seriously, she has the most incredible death stare. Oh and she yeah, just I was stands there. Oh, and, yeah. and this is why I know like, uh, you're absolutely right that you know putting anybody against Chigusa Nagayo is going to make them into a heel. But Devil knows how to play up to that. She is absolutely she is good at being intimidating, and that's yeah, yeah. In this match as well, her facials are next level. I've never yeah. seen anyone give such emotion in their Phenomenal. face during a match. It was. It, they are incredible for yeah. the entire match when she's in holds and when she's putting on holds and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never seen a performance like it in a match, <laughs> yeah. and it adds it adds so much yeah, to the match. Yeah, it really does. Of what is there already? I've literally just written here: Masami, best contemptuous stare ever. Yeah. Arrow, <laughs> arrow, insert sword! Exclamation mark. Yes. Um, like, uh, there, there is. Uh, I, you know, I don't think we should. Uh, we should ignore this fact. There is a sword involved, and if there's one thing I like, it's a ceremonial sword and/or drum. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. And slash or. Uh, Fucking oiled up Nobuhiko yes. Takada playing a taiko That's, drum in a nappy. Yeah. All I want is a. Is, is, all I want is a is, is a fight with an inflated record, oiled up and hitting a drum for me. That's all I ask for. But this sword will do. Yeah, um, and so, it's, yeah, it's really you know, interesting in the context of in the context of Devil being that level of contemptuous, really intimidating heel. Is that you know we we talked a bit about about Ronda Singh slash Monster Ripper last time and the way in which her weight fluctuated at various points in her career, but she always carried herself like a big intimidating woman, you know, whatever size she was. And the match that we watched of hers, she was nowhere near to her biggest. Devil Masami also kind of went through different body sizes at different points mm, in her yeah. career as well but what's what's interesting about her is that i feel like she never really lost the ability to scare the shit out of you because oh, she no. because yeah. those facials were so on point all the time yeah yeah that's what i loved about her she um she very much reminds me of the kind of wrestler that embodies that my, my favorite terry funk quote you know about how well I, I might not be able to make them believe that wrestling's real but i can make them believe that i'm real like, yeah, you know, like that, 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 that to me is. What's that, Daniel? Are you a, you a Terry Funk fan? <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I'm just going to pull out my shoehorn that I've got under here uh, <laughs> and uh, just gently shoehorn Terence Funk into the conversation. So, I prefer his, his nephew Flash myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was his dad's, uh, like uh, his other dad's. <laughs> the uh, the um, one thing to bear in mind with the work, I mean, firstly, um, the pace is utterly frenetic. I mean, I think we've come oh, to this yeah. before. It's like, yeah. hey, you tell the these people like 
um, you know, wanking themselves off over like mid 2000 ROH with people like uh, Samoa Joe, uh, Daniel Bryan, etc. Like tell them like you know 20 years ago there were women yeah. in Japan doing matches that were as athletic as this yeah. one. So this is what I mean about it being way ahead of its time considering you know the immobile sacks of roids that you had in uh, WWF. Immobile sacks um, of roids. But the but the <laughs> other thing as well as the pace is the sheer variety of uh, moves and actually I think so some of my opinions of this match anticipate um, some of the critiques that are made of uh, modern wrestling in that they're doing mm. too much because for their time, like, yeah. this is insane. If we just go through, like, some of the moves that I use, we've got, well, firstly, to start, we've got um, a lot of kicks to start, um, yeah, yeah. spinning back kicks and the like. These were by no means widely used in wrestling yeah. in 1985. You know, bear in mind that the first UWF promotion was founded only the year before. Yeah, mm. yeah, the, exactly. The, the interspersing of martial arts kicks into wrestling was still you know, relatively cutting edge. We also have uh, one thing I've I really enjoyed is that moves that would be finishes finishers in other promotions are just like you've got that out the wazoo. You've got um, a superplex at one point from Chigsa, mm. which was um, um, in fact I believe that round about this time the superplex was winning um, the Wrestling Observer's uh, best move. Award. Oh really? I think yeah, I think it was a, oh, a Super cool. Destroyers version of the um, yeah, nomination yeah. to his his brother the, and um, <laughs> so you know, this was a viable finisher. Bob Orton, for instance, you know, yeah, that was his finisher yeah. at the time. You've also got um, Figure Fours again, a viable finisher at the time. Uh, people yeah. like Ric Flair and Tito Santana in America, and you know various wrestlers in Japan. People you... kicking out of pile drivers all over the place. By yeah, the way. Just yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> like you've got um, the Sharpshooter, which was Ricky Choshu's finisher again. Yeah. 1985, massive star. You've got a Dragon Suplex, which is Tatsumi Fujinami's finisher again. Yeah. Massive star in 1985. Now, um, you know, and and that and that's fine because like in the context of this promotion, you know, they're not Choshu's and Fujinami's moves. You know, no yeah. one else in the promotion is is doing them. Like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, why not pick and choose the best of other promotions? Considering the fact that so many very famous moves themselves were actually invented by Japanese women. So you've got this yeah, sort of yeah. cross currents going back and forth. I mean, if you're a Goldberg fan, um, you know his his devastating finish at the Jackhammer Slam that was invented by Jaguar Yokota, who mm. is in the main event. Of this show, it could be argued. Jaguar Yakuta invented everyone's favorite moves, by the way. Just yeah, that. That, is, that is true. Yeah. Um, Ed Komita invented the Death Valley Bomb or the Death Valley Driver, as it's often called. There was even an argument to be made that Kyoko Inoue, um, her Victoria Driver, is very similar to Kent Kabashi's Burning Hammer. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it kind of is. Well, yeah, actually, and yeah, right. so yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, these these again, you can you can do. Um, you know, New Japan finishes as transitional moves at this time because, you know, it's a different fucking promotion. It's a different context. There was some uh, uh, jeb end on Twitter yesterday. Um, he was he was making a point about... Um, Fancy Indi- that! Yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I right? I don't believe you, George. I don't know if this is a lie. <laughs> he, he, was no making, he was making a point about um, indie wrestlers doing too much. I mean, like this, there is a legitimate argument to be made. About hey, that, I was going to say, I agree yeah, with Daniel, this you've so made this argument, but um, yeah. it was, a, I think, a spot where... Um, someone in an indie match had done a tombstone and it wasn't the finish. I mean, that's a weird hill to die on oh. if you're making that point because... And I just replied to the guy saying, you want to watch Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask, fam? Because it's like, <laughs> yeah. just because like, yeah. all you know is fucking WWF and the tombstone was the Undertaker's move and it's so protected. Jeez, watch like, watch Dynamite Kid, Tiger Mask. You'll see like five no-sold tombstones before 10 minutes of <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, there's also, at one point, there's a pretty damn great straitjacket German suplex from Chigasa to Devil, which looks absolutely yeah, I, awful. Yeah. I had no idea that move had been invented at that at this time. Yeah, yeah, like it's, but that's the thing with a lot of these moves is you think uh, actually was was this not definitely invented in like the nineties? <laughs> like and you're like, oh no, shit! Like you know, like so there's quite a few of those actually in, in this match. Mm-hmm. But it's not that one of the best things about this match is that it is not remotely just spots for the sake no. of the spots at no. all. There's a really strong psychology behind it, and it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily. It's not necessarily the pace that makes it interesting. It's the fact that there's an actual sense of urgency to it. Yeah, and that's yeah. you know that. They're two slightly different things, and it, you know we, we we can't really confuse them. But what it feels yeah. about this is that number one, the two of them are both really keen on winning this title. But on the other hand, both of them kind of don't really mind if the other person gets quite seriously hurt along the way. So you've got yeah. moments where, honestly, even like the submissions, we haven't mentioned too much about the submissions in this in this yet. But I think it's it's often said by us at least that submissions always look so much better on on women because they can be so flexible that you can really make it look like you're folding a woman in half basically and there are some amazing submissions in here and number one people actually sell when they're on offense so you know it looks like it actually hurts to keep applying pressure to a submission which is something that i think sometimes gets lost and i really like that the idea that hurting the other person also has a cost for you getting to the end of that match um but also like there's a mexican surfboard spot where the the separation between these two women is absolutely amazing. Now, I'm a huge mark for a Mexican surfboard, and I think most people are, to be fair. Oh, I'm a bastard for a Mexican surfboard. <laughs> I, love, I love it. But seriously, right. there's like there's like three clear feet of air in between these two yeah. women. And then, and then Devil grabs Chigusa by her hair and bends oh, her God, head yeah. backwards. It's like, this thing looks like you should be killing a woman with it. It's horrendous. Yeah. I mean, like... The um, there's yeah, I mean it's not it's not all just um, we've talked about like the big bombs like uh, you know the straight jacket German dragon suplex but yeah it's not all like that I mean the mat the mat work is quite intense and fidgety it's almost yeah. like yeah. proto shoot style really and yeah. I mean this stuff is is really over as well it's not like they're not like these really jaded smart crowds from nowadays where if like if someone's not getting dropped on the head in the first uh, three minutes they lose interest like the crowd goes absolutely spare with worry. Like a few minutes in, when it looks like that Chicks is going to lose a test of strength. Yeah. And I was yeah. Like, yeah. Come on now, it's a test of strength. It's like yeah. this isn't going to be a significant part of the match unless it's WrestleMania six, because yeah. the people in the ring can't do anything <laughs> hey. else. Yeah. Ah uh, uh, no, but we did. We. we uh, I'm, I'm. I'm just going to get the shoehorn out again. We did mention though that there is the example of the uh, the funk um, uh, jumbo match where they have the excellent um, test of strength wrist lock thing. Yeah, we mentioned that uh, this time. So yeah. there's that, that, there's that, there is that. I'm going to stand up for that. But like, yeah, you're, you're right. Other, other, other than that. <laughs> the thing I really loved about this, and you mentioned a bit about before, about making it a bit more of a real, a realistic sporting, um, a sporting atmosphere. Because uh, you had all your mat work and things like that, and they, you know they weren't really selling it. And as you said, you know they, it was very logical, as if it was a legitimate. Yeah. For me, it felt like more of a legitimate sporting contest, if you know what I mean, because. Mm. There was there were so many like things that I really thought of, but really just the the presentation. Like there's one point when they're in one of the holds. I think they do it actually a couple of times, where they have like a picture in picture with the crowd. Yeah. So like, what they do is that they instead of you know how you have the the trademark WWE where there'll be somebody and there'll be a rest hold and they'll go over to the crowd and there'll be like some kid like 
But the, what they do is they, they have both of them at the same time, so you can still see how much it hurts them. Yeah, it's awesome. The crowd yeah. And it look, it's a really novel yeah. thing. That it really it really added to it, because you do it a couple of times, and it made me think of, like... I mean, the example you'll we'll always, we'll always give is... Um, the the infamous Aguero moment, yeah, where <laughs> when Aguero scores and there's a picture on picture with the the Man U fans crying, yes, uh, like, oh. it's just stuff like that that makes me really think that I, I love stuff like that and I thought it really really added to it. Daniel is Daniel's old face is misty eyed, misty eyed. As soon as you uh, mentioned Aguero, it kind of reminded me of the uh, sort of the Sky Sports player cam, where it was just like, okay, we'll go, go. You can have a player cam in the bottom right of your picture. It's actually just a still image, but it seems we're tracking Olivier Giroud. We don't think anyone's going to notice. <laughs> the, the the best example I've ever seen of like a player cam is I remember um, I was watching the the Star Sixes Six Aside football a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, and it was all different <laughs> countries and it was all like legends football, and they um, they were playing and like William Gallus is on and he gets substituted. And he had an interview with William Gallus, who was a burst couch, right? He was he was done. And they're like, so, William, how do you feel about going, well, yeah. I think we've done really well. It, it was just... It's like, it's it was just like, like completely like, dying. Gassed yeah. Billy Gunn at um, King of the Ring 99. They're like, uh, uh, I tell you what, she's got to go to Middlesbrough yeah, yeah. and get something. <laughs> and I'll tell you this for free. I would love it if we beat them. Love it. <laughs> You know, was, some people are saying that we don't have any any bottle <laughs> but I'm telling you I'm going to assume I'm... that at some point I might get some context on this but probably not whilst we're recording because I've got no idea what's going you, on you, you know that Kevin Keegan promo I've quoted it to you a few times oh yeah that, that one <laughs> yeah that one I would love yeah. it yeah 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 like William Gallus was so astronomically fucked like he couldn't <laughs> speak and i was like let them let the man like you know get his breath but i don't know some media hounds right yeah, around yeah. microphone we, in their faces we, we, we've got off. to get like, the thoughts like, of william gallas on this fucking yeah. like non-entity like legend six aside tournament is absolutely yeah. imperative um so yeah the, the other thing that actually like what you were saying about it coming across as a real sport the use of uh seconds in this, and it's very different to how they used second in the previous match that we talked about back in episode 11, the uh, Trotus Alliance versus Jumping Bomb Angels, in that mm. the role of the second was basically just to run interference, come in the ring, stab people with scissors, brawl with each other, whereas in this case, um, there's a great spot at which uh, Chikasa gets twatted into the barricade, and her seconds basically fucking comfortably numb her back into the ring. <laughs> at which yeah. point, um, Devil Masami, showing no mercy, uh, chucks her out again, and then does a really nice-looking crossbody to the outside. Yeah, oh, that and this yeah. points out. That's another thing we haven't talked about, so the high good. spots in this match. Well, actually, the, the seconds, they, uh, there was one point, the thing that I really loved was, they had a spit bucket. So there's a bit, like, um, <laughs> halfway through, where, like, I think it's, it's a couple of times, actually, where... They, they give them drinks and things like that, like, you know, when you're watching a boxing match and, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and during the rounds, they'll give them a, a drink. Like, there was a count-out tease when she was taking a drink. Yeah, and yeah. they like, they got to, like, nine, she came back in, or, like, 19, sorry. And, like, yeah, like, I'd, I'd, never, I'd never seen that in a, like, a non-rounds-based match, like a spit bucket. And I think that's a fantastic condition that, it yeah. really, as again, it makes it look like a sporting contest because if this is a real sporting contest, you'd want a yeah. drink. Because it's yeah. like when they yeah. have, like, 
If it was always a like conch, you'd like get the spit bucket and use it to hit someone over the head completely unprotected. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like it's like when somebody is injured um, in a football match. Uh, the footballers will always go to the side and take a drink while they're yeah. waiting. Yeah. yeah. Um. Absolutely not. I loved it. Speaking of like unprotected headshots with spit buckets and things like that, as much as we all love Adicon, um, <laughs> how many how many times do people just get dumped on their head in this match and you get really concerned for their welfare? Uh... Like obviously they all kept wrestling for a few years after this, so they all made it out alive. But seriously, some of the pilot yeah. drivers look absolutely disgusting. Gusting in particular. Yeah, yeah. that uh, yeah. kneeling pile driver slash Ganso bomb type thing that um, so cool. that uh, oh, I think it was um, uh, Chigsa did at one point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, there was there were so many head drops in this match as well. The, the again, the, like none of these sort of the crowd don't get jaded with all the head drops. Like each one of them, they view as it could be the finish. I mean the. Every time it looks like Chiggers is going to be pinned, the crowd are all like, remember that woman who like used to have a season ticket behind the goal at Highbury and every time it looked like Arsenal were going to come to each other, it was like, ah! And you can always hear it so clearly. Every single woman in the crowd is doing this. Like, yeah. it, it's, ab- it's absolutely fantastic. Like, you, see, you, see, you see what I want to know? I want to know if, if the, um, if the, you know, the, the famous, well, the semi-famous now, um, uh, Japanese woman in the crowd at the um, CMLL shows where uh, when it when um, now Hiromu Takahashi but then Kamatachi was wrestling. Um, yes. Like, I I just love it if it turned out that like she was also like in in the in the audience for one of these shows and she's just like kept up with like all her favorite Japanese wrestlers since then and like she's just this, like the classic world of sport fan. grandma the classic world of sport grandma yeah. with the handbag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's she's like the um the uh, it's Arena Mexico, isn't it? I think that CMLL do it. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Um, she yeah, she's the uh, like Arena Mexico equivalent of of that, but she only cheers for like the Japanese imports. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, in in, in 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 like in in like my um kind of like a uh, weird um alternative um history that I've written in my head that I projected onto her. Yeah, so she's, she's in the audience at the age of about five here, cheering you know cheering Shigusa on. Like um, no, my my favorite uh, elderly woman in a crowd was uh, from early on. This year, do you remember the Rolampico and Possible match uh, where they had the big brawl? And at one point, like oh, I think no, it's no, Possibly no. is uh, it was like the really great Lutcher brawl that you mentioned to oh, me. But at one point, yeah. like the face is like completely dead, and he's been like dropped in chairs <laughs> and all that. I, I think he's like been hit with a, like an unprotected headshot yeah. and just like just dead. An old woman square goes the heel and basically stands up to him and he's like, you're rubbish and all that. And while she's doing that, the guy can't get past. There's like four other fans who yeah. are like giving him a drink of water and trying to help him up and basically trying to go, come on, come on, Rolando, you can do this, come on. Yeah. And like this old woman just stands up to him and he's like, no, I'm not having it. This is shocking. And like the guy's clearly like, I like, if you're a man, I'd have decked you, but you're an old woman, so. I'm gonna let it slide, but it added like that. That made that match for me. This old woman just standing up to this heel and just like you know threatening yeah. to, to deck him if he went anywhere near the, them. It was so good. It made the made the, the other guy look like such a face as well. It's like yeah, the the, the reactions in this match are uh, just just utterly visceral. Actually, I've got, I've got a friend um, just quickly who went to Arena Mexico. Uh, quite recently, and she isn't a wrestling fan, but um, a lot of the, if you go to Mexico on a holiday, a lot of the package tours, they will take in a trip to the Lucha, and it's, it's very, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Mexico Friday night shows are very popular with uh, tourists, and of course, 
once I knew that's where she was going, I was absolutely all over her. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Did you see Atlantis? And she was yeah. like, was he the guy in the fish mask? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, have, have you not seen his, his uh, Apuestas match with Viano 3 yeah. from 2000? That one yeah. day, just match yeah. of the year awards. That's, yeah. That, 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 yeah, that, that was, that was uh, well, more importantly, it was my match of the year. So, uh, you know, like, uh, let's, in the hierarchy of wrestling-related uh, commentators. Yeah, I was going right. to say, if you put if you put Melter's opinions uh, above your own, you're fucking Mark. Let's get into the finish. Well. <laughs> of, of, if we get into the... Yeah, like before we uh, <laughs> before we do get to the finish of oh, this, yeah. well, I think it's worth just spending a a split second. We we talked about all of the like the facials on people like Masami and you know and Chigusa as well, but Masami is just scary as hell. What yeah. I really really like about this is. You know how when you look at a lot of the WWE matches today and the close-ups on like the faces, both of the workers and occasionally of the people in the crowd, More the feel, people in the crowd. feel really, <laughs> really forced. And it feels like it's not natural. It feels like almost someone's saying to them, quick, the camera's on you, look like you're in pain. It, it, yeah. Sometimes I, I think it feels really, really forced. And here, it just feels so natural. Like It feels like it, you know... You can feel the pain on their faces, but also it feels like they're not just cutting to their to close-ups of their eyes for the for the hell of it. It actually feels like there's a real like there's a real sense of urgency, and there's actually a bit of there's an empathy in the way that this yeah. actual whole thing yeah. is shot. I actually think that you know there's a the concern that the crowd is actually feeling for for the wrestlers actually comes across in the way that they 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 spend time looking at the pain on people's faces and actually drawing yeah. attention to you know how unnatural the poses when you're bent in half in a Mexican surfboard mm. and things like that yeah. there's a lot to be said for kind of the way the way that a wrestling show is actually filmed and then the way that you train people to wrestle for TV as well mm. and it's really interesting to see that again this is like 30 years ago and yeah. they were doing that in ways that are actually probably still ahead of what what's happening on sort of network TV today as well. Oh yeah like you shouldn't yeah. Necessarily, yeah. you shouldn't necessarily assume that uh, modern wrestling you know, is necessarily better than than old wrestling. I mean, athletically, you know, things have come on quite quite a lot. But at the same time, in terms of things like psychology, there's still a lot you can learn from uh, from pe- from people like this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And also, like, in 1985, we had people kicking out of pile drivers. So fuck off, Jim Cornette. I think is basically. I think fuck the, off, Jim the, Cornette, for a lot lot of reasons. To be yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, one uh, thing I wanted to mention, sort of semi-related to the close-ups, is I noticed when I was watching this that Nagayo is wearing, um, is it white tube socks? It's sports socks. Like, yeah. Once you get out of the baddest for a pound, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Free for a pound. Yeah. And she's also, it's got red writing on it. And um, she's got Asics or Reebok trainers on, right? Uh, yeah, I think, you... I think they're the Asics ones, aren't they? Because they, the they, they got a lot of wrestling shoes. And it's really, it's really silly as this sound. I thought this really helped with the sports presentation, right? Because what it was for me was that you never see branded apparel on wrestling, really, yeah, at all. Yeah, it's always yeah. like seamstresses, yeah, like, you know, like yeah. seamstresses making things. Like you don't ever see people yeah. in like branded yeah. sports apparel. Ah, yeah. And I felt that the fact that she wasn't wearing like big fancy boots or anything like that. She was wearing sports socks. And ASICs trainers. Yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah. an athletic contest. And that's that's about an how, athletic contest. But that's about how relatable she is as well, because then, you know, fans can then go out to the Reebok shop and actually go and buy that. Yeah, yeah you can buy yeah. Jigus and Nagayo's trainers. And exactly. Yeah. And, and it also reminded me of, um, uh, and, I, and I, I, I'm 
I don't know if this would have been directly inspired, but I'm I, I'm pretty much 100% sure that those guys watch these tapes. Uh, just just judging from their work and, and how it must have influenced them. But um, when Loki first came on the scene in the early 2000s, and he was just he would just literally wear a pair of Nike shorts, like yeah. just a yeah. pair of a pair of Nike shorts and, and his kick pads and like his boots, and that was it. And I thought he was the coolest looking person on the planet. Like just because he, he he looked like he was literally there for a sport for a fight, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, um, you know. So I thought he looked just like so cool, you know. Even though up against some of his contemporaries, right? It was like you know, even like Dragon and, and those kind of guys who he was still working his little skimpy white shorts and stuff, you know. So he still yeah. looked modern, but he didn't have that like you know, this guy looks like he could actually go to like the MMA gym and just like start kicking things, and not be out of place, like you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, actually, I wanted to mention my favorite spot of this entire match. And it's not even like a big move. It's a roll-up, right? So there's a roll-up where she's got a near fall where basically the guy rolls up Misami and Misami's foot lands in the ropes, right? Mm. But what they do is that the Misami's foot is on the ropes continuously for the whole pin. So it's, got, it's one, two, and the referee hasn't noticed it. Like, she doesn't put her foot in the ropes. She's just always there. Yeah. And I, I get caught in it because even though I fucking hated Misami, right? And I really wanted Nagayo to win. I wanted, I was screaming at the referee that there, her foot was in the ropes yeah. because, like, it was such, it was such a way. I don't even know if it was meant to be a well done spot, like, or if it was by accident. Because there was the one, the it was Seth Rollins versus Neville when Rollins was champion, and Neville hit the red arrow and pulled his legs up onto the ropes. Yes. And, like, yes. It was the one to, and nobody noticed it until like just before, and it was such a really well done spot. But in here, I was screaming at the the the, the screen. That you know her foot is in the ropes, even though I wanted her to lose, and like yeah, you wanted the guy to win. I didn't want it to happen that way. Yeah, you wanted to be clean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I thought it was a really well done spot. Luckily, he did actually catch it in the end, but it, it was it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it in terms mm. of like a near fall. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's just like yeah. you know, the last match. That was the one with all the plunder and the cheating. Now this is this is the, your proper sports contest. Yeah, you know, exactly. To, yeah, uh, finish in the right way. I mean, and I think actually the. Uh, Going on to how it uh, ends is, is is pretty perfect as far as I'm uh, concerned because um, by this point we're about 35 minutes deep. That's the other thing as well. It's a fast pace yeah. match. It's also a long match. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these women yeah. had amazing cardio. Um, there's yeah. quite a famous AJW match from 1995, which is uh, the aforementioned Minami Toyota versus the also aforementioned Chico yeah, Inoue. Inoue. And um, yeah. that's a 60 minute draw. And Jesus yeah. Christ, there was not a lot of downtime. And uh, you know it was quite quite a big woman as well, but they they just had such amazing cardio, and yeah. the, these two are the same. But um, the finish is basically they're still hitting each other with these mad moves. You got an electric chair drop from the first rope, uh, followed from, by uh, a senton off the middle rope. Yeah, yeah, somersault <laughs> senton, lariats, big kicks to the head, double arm suplex, more kicks to the head. And by the end of the match, they're ba- it's basically a fucking tramp fight. You know, Masami oh, just gives her the um, chicks her the this big punch, knocks her down. She gets up, yeah. <laughs> second big punch, knocks her down. It turns into an ice hockey fight, and yeah. uh, Chigusa basically the finish is um, she kicks Masami down and then falls to her knees, completely spent. She's also bleeding from the nose. I don't know what move gave her that. It could have been any of dozens. <laughs> it could have been any, anything that, yeah, just and occurred. the finish yeah. is just that uh, neither woman can answer the 10 count, and uh, the match is ruled a draw because 
neither one of them can continue. Mm. They've battered yeah. each other so much with all this yeah. mad shit that... I, and, yeah. yeah. I, and, and you don't for a second feel disappointed by that r- result. No. Uh, you know, like certain draws leave you feeling very unsatisfied or you feel like it's just being used to set up another match. Um, you know, like, um, I certainly can't think of any hour-long draws that I've thought that about recently. <laughs> um, and, um, Who are you, know. you subtweeting? Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am. Oh, I, yeah, I've, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm subtweeting anal- in an analog style. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, um, I'm the Steve Arbini well, of, um, yeah, anyway, that's, that's silly. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> yeah, also sorry, makes perfect sense that even though, you know, the... You can see a way that if Sugarsucker could keep standing up, she would be the person that came out on top of this match. Yeah. It also makes perfect sense that she can't stand because Devil Masami has been working over her back all the way yeah. through this match. Constantly I mean, and relentlessly. Some really nasty targeting on the knee as well that looks really painful, but also the way that she kind of folds her up in these submission moves. And, you know, at one point there's an awesome after the crossbody off the turnbuckle there's this hideous looking tilt a whirl backbreaker which she then follows up with another backbreaker and like it's just like one after another of really obvious and really you know almost a bit sadistic targeting mm. of it as well so it makes perfect yeah. sense that by this point you know even if cardio wise chigason might have been able to go for a little bit longer she physically can't because devil has knackered her and yeah. that you know yeah. I, I actually I, I really like that i can see the fact yeah. that you know each of them has, you know, done a lot of hurt to each other, but they've also hurt themselves whilst trying to hurt yeah. the other. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's the this idea that eventually they will disintegrate and, you know, eventually you it, it's a hockey fight and neither of us can stand anymore, so let's do this again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the one thing I liked is that with this is that Nagayo, there was... There was a change in her attitude halfway through, well, yeah. sort of near the end, just before the finish. So, like for the entire thing you mentioned about the sports, um, like the sports presentation, like I always felt that Nagayo, her her story in this is that she is an athlete who's here to win the title, and it's nothing personal. It's just purely business, and she's here. She's an athlete, and she's it's a sporting contest for her. There's a bit uh, just before they go mental with like um, when Misami goes mental with like the coast fist jabs. Um, yeah. where she starts playing to the crowd and at no point through the re- through before the match had she played to the crowd she was actually focused laser guided focus on Misami and winning this match and beating you know basically using her athletic skills to win but there's a bit where she'd been like so beaten down and stuff like that that she starts playing to the crowd and at that point you can see like a shift change in terms of the mentality and that mm. at that point I thought you know, if it, if this was like, if it was like a boxing match, for example, at that point I'd be thinking she's going to lose because yeah. she, she's, her head is out of the game, if you know what I mean, yeah. and that she's more focused and just beating the shit out of Misami as opposed to actually winning the match. And it yeah. was really, it was really well done in this moment where she just started playing to the crowd, and I was like, you're losing her focus. It was, it, I, I really liked it, and then. Those jabs, man. The Misami's contest jabs were yeah. fucking ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. But it was also something that was really nice about about Chigusa's relationship with that crowd as well is that she's looking to them for the support because she knows that she's going to get yeah. it as well. Mm. And they, you know, the, the crowd support you can see has a palpable impact on the way that she wrestles, and it has yeah. a huge effect on her comeback spots. And they managed yeah. to, uh, you know. To an extent, yes, it's manufactured, but there's also something very genuine from the point of view of the fans that they've created. Absolutely, this bond yeah. there. which, which you know, I um, liked it. sorry, go on. 
I like the fact that yeah, that was a really good story, and uh, she was like such a good a-, a good athlete. But there was a limitation to what she could do, and she realised that she needed that extra boost. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Where you know she needed the fans to get behind her. The same as like when you're at a football match, and like you know your team is at one each or something like that, and you're going for that winner. And like you know, if it's like five ten minutes left, the crowd will start just you know, yeah, chanting yeah. and shouting, yeah. just keep going so that they have that support. No, I I totally agree um, with that. Just yeah, I really thought it was a notable that moment where they kind of all just yeah. took the risk. You see, you see, in relation to that, and also in relation to the fact that we mentioned how the Crush Gals were this kind of like almost like um, uh, a sort of Hogan level um, of like a, a, a cultural um, sort of penetration in, in Japan. Um, I'm going to make fuckboys' heads explode now. Um, this, to me, um, in, t- in terms of the way that she controls the crowd, is actually, <laughs> even though the work's vastly different, not unlike Hogan at his peak. It's more subtle. No, yeah. It's more yeah, subtle. Exactly. But I see the, the relationship. Talking. The relationship between knowing that you have that reservoir of support and that reservoir of you know that can turn on a dime at your insistence of you know on the decisions that you make in the match about where to take it next or what move to do or what facial expression to use or what physical expression to do, um, there is uh, a mastery of of their own specific audience, um, which actually someone as you know uh, famously uh, gifted at, at holding onto an audience's attention in the palm of his hand like Hogan has. It sounds like a ridiculous comparison. But, you know, for anyone listening to this that hasn't ever seen this stuff before, um, you will see something akin to, to that, I, I think, in some ways. See, it's I exactly think it's exactly Anita, the same as The Rock yeah. and Stone Cold as well, actually, yeah. except that yeah, none yeah, yeah, of them yeah. ever really looked quite this vulnerable, I don't think. But that, I think yeah, that's kind of yeah. what I like about it. I mean, Stone Cold yeah. did when he broke his neck, but, like, I mean, that wasn't... Well, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this match is... is very, I mean, we have gushed over this show quite a lot. I mean, look, like we're we're not like we're not the sort of people who you know we 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 hold the female wrestlers to the same standard as the blokes and the blow up dolls and the fucking ladders and all the rest of it. You know, <laughs> yeah. if something isn't that good, then we'll say so. It's just that yeah. this show is fucking phenomenal, yeah. and this yeah. this match is 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 uh, damn near perfect. I definitely it's, give it's, it the full yeah. six and a quarter stars on the scale. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's it's yeah. We should be we shouldn't like, like you know um sort of muddy, muddy our words on this. It's one of the greatest matches ever. Like oh, yeah, um, it's one of the greatest matches ever, as George said. There, it's easily in the running for the best, the best match of the eighties. Um, you know, like, um, and uh, that's a decade which has, from my money, probably got some of the greatest wrestling of all time um, all over the world. So, um, yeah, it's an absolutely phenomenal match, and I love it. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to compare everything that we've just said with the match, which is the main event on this show, and the match which is yeah. coming next, because I think that many of the plaudits that we've just directed towards this match I think could also be rallied at this one I think yeah. we'll, have, we'll have this wrapped up in five minutes then so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> this yeah, will be a short yeah. edition of the poor operation yeah, like, go, go to ten um, yeah. so the, yeah. the main event I the, the title I gave this in my notes is oh shit son it's Jaguar versus Lioness for the red belt that used to be Mildred's oh, <laughs> that is the title man. of this in my notes So literally I... dripping in prestige and history yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Last, so, so last time we, we talked a bit about kind of the, the history of AJW and how a lot of it goes back to an American woman named Mildred Burke who then did one of the first tours using some of the American talent and taking them over to Japan and that really that was part of this big groundswell of what became eventually Joshi wrestling and, and, and the, the passion for Japanese wrestling that that happened there. Yeah. Mildred Burke's belt, um, as we discussed then, made its way 
to AJW. So the belt that Mildred Burke had held is now mm. the top belt in or in all Japan women's wrestling. And the you know the the significance of that can't be overstated mm. in, in mm-hmm. this context. You know this is the most prestigious title in women's wrestling. I know that, you know, somewhere Medusa Michelli is very upset to know this, but I do not <laughs> think, but I think that this belt is more important than most of the ones that she won. Uh, it, it's a, it, it's a huge sign of, of prestige and it's really obvious right from the start of this match, how seriously they take it and how badly both mm. women want it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jack, Jack, you, you go to, we've talked about Lioness Asuka in relation to the Crush Girls. Um, so whereas the Crush Girls were hugely, hugely over, I think probably more over than anyone on the roster, you know, they were they had the, the pop singles and the musical tours. Devil Masami as well, like Amazing Heel, she had songs as well. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a huge star in her own right. Uh, Jaguar Kota was the ace of uh, yeah. AJW at this time. You had all these really yeah. popular wrestlers. Uh, Jaguar Yokota was the ace, and this goes back to uh, you know what we were talking about in episode one. The ace being this very particularly Japanese category for yeah. the person in your in your wrestling company. Uh, they are they're not only you know they are the top draw, they are the face of the company, they are the champion, they are they are the figurehead really. But I they're, mean, they're, they're the embodiment as well yes. of, of the, the values that the you know the organisation seeks to represent as well. Yeah, you know? and uh, Jaguar Yokota up until she, um, I don't think. I think she retired uh, or was retired from AJW. Um, if it wasn't this same, I think it might have been this same year actually. It certainly was later in. Uh, it's either that or the next. Yeah, year. It, it wasn't long after. But um, for, for the um, last five years of her career in AJW, uh, Jaguar Yokota held the WWWA Championship virtually uninterrupted, save for I think she vacated the title through injury, but then won it back in the decision match and yeah. a. 83 or so day transitional reign from the Mexican luchadora La Galactica and then she won yeah. straight back off her. Yeah. So more or less, um, Jaguar Yakota was the holder of the most prestigious belt in women's wrestling throughout yeah. the world and, for and half those a matches, those matches you just mentioned we should point out as well. Um, this is a great run of matches that, that Jaguar goes on uh, during this period because oh, yeah. those matches you just mentioned as well, the, like, the Galactica match and, uh, and those other matches, they are incredibly good matches as well. Like, really, really high-level stuff. Um, so she's in the middle of probably the hottest streak that she's ever had um, yeah. as, a, as a worker and her absolute peak here. Really. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, just, I've just checked as well, it was 86 that she uh, retired. Right, okay. she, got, she gets a, a shoulder injury in 85 and she has like a retirement in in 86 uh i think so uh, mm. yeah but i think it's it's also worth pointing out as well when we talk about jaguar yakota she you know on the one hand she retires due to injury on the other hand it's not like she stops being involved in any way shape or form because no. we no, no. so we talk about we talk about the crush gals you know lioness asuka and chikasana gaya are the cultural peak of of women's wrestling really and you know they have this huge role to play in making it a popular cultural event when when eventually they then split up and feud in the 80s in terms of what happens in the ring Jaguar Yakota is their equivalent she is absolutely yeah. like the peak of in-ring innovation and development and I would put her in terms of what she can do in the ring and what she innovated in the ring up against 
any other man or woman in the wrestling industry ever. Um, because yeah. what happens when she retires is that she then becomes the head trainer behind the scenes at AJW, and she continues, you know, she's already invented most of the moves that we still love in yeah. 2017. <laughs> and then she goes on and trains all of the wrestlers that we still love in 2017. Yeah. She trains people like Manami Toyota. She trains so, uh, everyone that goes up through the AJW as yeah. well. So to yeah. see her now, she is really, to, to watch Jaguar at her peak now is to see really a hint of what's to come in the sense of the legacy that she then has in the wrestling industry. So yeah. you know, seeing the kind of matches that she's having having here, you know, at this point we should have all known that, you know, the next few years, year, had we been alive at the time, I think we, we, we would have all been able to look and say, well, all right. Anyone that she trains is going to be pretty damn good as well, and that should, yeah. you know this is the point where you can say, okay, well the nineties are going to be really badass then, aren't they? And, and yeah, indeed, yeah. Indeed well, they were. Th- uh, mm. uh, this was the thing that um, I was going to mention in the last match about Yokota is that obviously what I can't remember what year it was, but she went on the the went on the excursion to Mexico. Yes. She was learning the lucha style and things like that, and obviously had the match with Galactica as you mentioned, um, and it was. Like she, as you said, she was training all the 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 kiddos and basically showing them a new. Because I think when we're writing saying before that, it was the predominantly male trainers that they had before. Um, then, I, yeah, I think if I, I think right yes. at the start, yeah, I think it's predominantly male. But she went away, and it was kind of the I think the philosophy behind it was that there was a marriage of like her lucha stylings as well as that you had obviously Baba. Um, uh-huh. in all Japan, he was. He, this was kind of like when the form, the early stages of like uh, the sort of style that they would kind of uh, make all Japan what it was. And as I said, it was UWF formed the year before, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think that the they they tried to ma- marry the three, so they try to get the the escalation um, of conflict that all Japan has. As well as like, the gritty realism of UWFI with like the sort of amazing mat work of Lucha. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And like she was doing those matches by herself at first. She was kind of doing that and kind of implementing that style. And the problem was is that everyone now had to keep up with Jagger Yakota. That's why you had a match like before where everyone is doing all these crazy moves because you don't want to you don't want to be looking inferior to like the main event where the main event's a completely different style from you and blowing you out of the water every week every night yeah yeah um, yeah so it definitely like you can you can definitely see her fingerprints all over especially at like the last match especially yeah and, they're yeah. all over there i mean i mean she's like she's one of those uh and and you see it from the moment this this match starts or the moment that she's out there she's one of those uh wrestlers that whenever i see her in um in any footage it's it's immediately obvious that uh, before she's even really done anything, it's, she just has an aura about her. It's immediately obvious that you're in the the company of greatness, right? Like, um, oh, yeah. and it's a really it's a really it's a really odd, strange thing to be able to have where you haven't actually shown any evidence of anything yet. You can just be standing somewhere and you give off this aura of you know just being right at your craft, like you know. Um, WWE right now would give their right arms to have anybody with this with that level of sheer oh. charisma. Yeah, where you look yeah. at them and think this is special. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Absolutely. Like, yeah. You know, um, so um, and the, the other thing I was going to mention as well is that of all my um, sort of big, um, uh, uh, I guess, regrets about the footage that we have at the moment, we've obviously got an abundance of footage from everywhere now to the point that it's almost overpowering and overwhelming. 
but there are still little, um, you know, uh, 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 sort of uh, hidden things and forgotten things and, um, you know, my kind of uh, uh, dream um, finds and things which have never actually come, come about. One of those is um, the peak of Terry Funk during the, uh, the early 70s. Um, which we don't really have anything of, uh, but also um, would be just more Jagger matches because uh, there isn't a huge amount that remains. Um, I mean, there, there's stuff that is that you can get, which isn't as widely available, which is a bit more difficult. But really, there's not as much as I think any of us would like of her around. So every time you see a Jaguar match, you really also have this kind of quite um, quite sad and poignant, but also very beautiful notion that there isn't much of this, so you really feel like you have to appreciate it mm. while you yeah. watch it. You know? yeah. like, I mean, another thing to note is that, uh, I mean, we say Jaguar Yokota retired in 1986, and while that is true in, in the technical sense, in that she did retire from AJW, um, um, I mean, this calendar year, um, she uh, had a, I think, was it 35th anniversary match at the start of her career? Um, it anyway, the upshot is I, yeah. I'm sat here with my head in my hands because Jaguar Yakota has been in a ring this calendar year doing things that uh, <laughs> someone of her age and prestige is quite frankly significantly above, and it, oh, it, it I'm, just I'm, upset I'm, me. I'm, I'm I, not it talking about the. Um, I'm not talking about the the current blast Bob Sapp. Uh, you like, better fucking not be. Not not the no. I didn't mean that like Bob Sapp was infused with electricity. That's a bad syntax on my part. But um, <laughs> I mean infused with sexual magnetism. Yes, but no. I'm yes. talking about her actual 40th anniversary match, where the finish of the match was her doing a top rope hurricane runner on. Um, Kirko Inoue, who nowadays is about 240 pounds, and so, like, um, yeah. you know, her taking that bump is pretty great. But Jaguar Kurt <sighs> is like fucking 56, 57. Uh, like, she's, she's still actually, like, she's, she can still go to a certain uh, extent, considering oh, the yeah. battering she's taken in the ring. So it's the, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. So, so the, match that, the match that we watched on opposite sides of the ring. Were Jaguar Yakota and some people, and Ajakong and some people. Those, Anita, those some Anita, people. Sarah. Yeah, all right. Sorry, sorry. David Ford and Masterasu <laughs> Anita was also in this savior. match. Bob Sapp was in that match. <laughs> Bob Sapp was on Jaguar's team, I think. Yeah. yeah so basically, yeah, yeah. all of these terrible things are happening, and I literally just sat there and I turned, I, I turned to, to to George and I just said, "Why are all these other people in the ring? Why can't I just have Jag versus Aja?" Like, like, it, why can't we just get everybody else out of the ring because they're better than this? It should have been Jaguar Yakota versus Arja Kong in a one-on-one match. Anita and Bob Sapp should have just had a singles match, and Taru and Shogun Okamoto should have just been fired into the fucking sun and never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I mean, can't disagree. I, I mean, this was <laughs> this match was was still in, uh, in in happier times for all of us when Jaguar was in was in the ring and should have been there, and uh, uh, and it's genuinely incredible right from the fact right from the minute that the two of them are squaring up in the ring. Obviously, the the, the crowd is super hot for this because these are absolutely two of the most popular wrestlers on the planet at the time realistically they absolutely are yeah. and you know the the prestige that's afforded to the belt with the the flowers and mm. the you know the, mm. the geishas and that's something that we still see especially in in, in joshi wrestling now yeah. there's always a big, yeah. big photo opportunity before a title match ultimately that all comes back to this being you know this is the respect that's afforded to the most prestigious championship in in, in women's wrestling yeah. go you know going back to the mm. AJW days um yeah 
so that the prestige that's attached to, to, to being the ace and to being the person that holds that bell is, is, is huge. And you can tell right from the start that the crowd is here for this. This crowd yeah. is incredibly I mean, excited. The, uh, the, yeah. streamer, the streamer Bukaki at the start like almost approaches that one um, in, the, in the previous match. Like, again, like retirement level, retirement ceremony level, yeah. numbers of streamers. And, I mean, yeah, you talk about like the idea of wanting to be the ace that prestige attached to it. I mean, Jesus Christ, at the start, they wrestle like they really want to just get get this shit over with and be the yeah. champion as quickly as we can. We oh, have got phenomenal. spinning kicks, um, bridging out of snapmares, victory rolls, stretches here and there, just like a huge barrage of, of offense, which ends with uh, Yokota um, doing the sort of um, front handspring sort of thing that Dio Shirai likes to yeah. do to end the sequence, and they have the sort of um, in the standoff of uh, of respect. Now, um, one thing I would, and then and then we've got like various leg locks happening, um, hurricane rana backslides, some really fucking stiff body slams. Um, yeah. Now, after all this stuff has happened, like I will say that I thought this was a very very good match. Um, but I do have one main caveat uh, to that, in that I thought the structure was of it was quite weird. Um, what it reminded me of, and this is a very me thing to say, I appreciate it, it reminds me of one of those um, early classical symphonies, like the, the Mozart and Haydn ones. That's definitely be- a very you thing to b- say. Because um, <laughs> what we had was basically all this mad shit happening, and then there's about a sort of 10-minute uh, stretch of... They're not rest holds because they... Um, they are applied they're not just a way of killing time they are applied with some actual intensity and ferocity but at the same time the speed very much drops to a minimum and it gets a bit a lot more technical and then as if it turns on a dime suddenly they're out of it again and they're back to about 10 minutes more of uh, of mad shit so yeah like like your, your your mozart symphony you've got a fast movement and it stays at that speed then you've got a slow movement in the middle and then you've got another fast movement whereas the previous match the pacing was, and the structure was a lot more varied more like uh, to pluck one out of the um of thin air, Shostakovich's eleventh, which is a bloody good listen. Well, you see, I, I'm glad you brought up um, um, symphonies because, as you know, I'm something of an expert in this. Story. Um, <laughs> and um, my favourite symphony is the Celtic Symphony. Um, <laughs> now, I would say that this match is very much like the Celtic Symphony. Um, no, I can't actually carry that on um, without being ruthlessly sectarian. So. Yeah, let's not have a, let's not have a sing-along. We'll my, save that for the end. Well, my favourite yeah. symphony is a Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth. And frankly, that is very much what an AJW show is like, That's because that. these people want to hurt each other. Segways yeah, yeah. like that are why we're a couple. Yeah, I mean, you know, here at the pre-podcast, we're, we're open-minded. We like all the symphonies. Uh, apart from Bittersweet Symphony, because he was just rude, that man, walking down the street, bumping into people. <laughs> Um, I, th- yeah. I think I'd have Walking to say my favourite album is the best of Beethoven. The, 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 the big, the big I, drug addict. I, I, I actually had a story about uh, Richard Ashcroft. I was going to mention it to you. Oh, I please tell. We recorded the part, and we also had Richard Ashcroft uh, played at our university union, and he got lost in the <laughs> uni, and ended up in the library. So, like, the library is on like, the other side of the, the campus from the union, and. Um, he, he, Richard Ashcroft just walked into the library, into the uni library, and he went, mate, where's the, uh, this is the union, right? And the other guy just went, aye. And he said, <laughs> yep. Yeah. He said, all right, where's the dressing room? He says, right, you need to go down here, turn right, and, and give him all these directions just into, like, some fucking book, <laughs> some really fucking obscure book department. He turned up going, 
Wait, wait a minute. This is, this is a library. <laughs> I, I heard Richard Ashcroft played played his um his uh, smash hit single Money to Burn. Richard Smashcroft. So lads, lads, lads. So like Do you want to talk about uh, some wrestling guys? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so oh, yeah, what God. do we think about um, what do we think about the um what what I've just said about the the structure of this of of this match is that necessarily a a problem for you or or do you think you know is, is that is that okay in your book? It was it wasn't something that necessarily I picked out at the time, but I do I kind of understand what you mean because yeah I mean you had this pure unbelievable you know like mile a minute pace where they're just going all over the place and like at the start and it starts out with a pace that I've literally never seen like even like those WCW cruiserweight matches in like '96 and stuff like that. Even those are like, you know, the, the Super J Cup and stuff like that. Yeah. Even those would struggle to keep a pace up like that one did in the opening encounters. Um, but then they just go into like, you know, I'm working leg work. Because, I mean, there's like a bit that it really, it doesn't drag it down. It brings down the pace. But, I mean, I, I still love this spot. It's like a cross arm breaker. Yeah, yeah. Through. And they have a close up on... Asuka trying to unpick her fingers, so she's literally yeah. trying to like pick them out one by one. And I thought it's a really fantastic spot, but it was really weird, that, you know, to to be you know from going from this big huge start to literally like five minutes later. If you watch those in a in a vacuum separately, you wouldn't really notice that they're from the same match because yeah. they're completely yeah. different matches. What 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 I would say about that though is, and um, I guess the given my contribution to the question you just asked, George, would be... Uh, actually, for me, though, a lot of the Jaguar matches that I've seen have actually had this similar um, s- similar pacing. Um, and they've had this like similar approach to um, how they how they build things. She'll often open up very quickly with a lot of, um, you know, like, um, sort of um, uh, fast sequences of moves put together, lots of rope running, uh, that kind of thing, lots of exchanges. And then it kind of eventually settles down. In the, so maybe that's just a, a way that she works. She might maybe likes to get people excited first for the first couple of seconds and then see. Because I've noticed she does that in some of her other matches as well. Uh, One know. thing um, is obviously I'm not projecting Jag here, you quote, I've never met a woman, but... I mean, she, you, we did mention about how she had an excursion to Mexico, and obviously with Lucha, oh, yeah. to a oh, yeah. it could be a sort of where the mentality where she's kind of breaking them up into imaginary falls, if you know oh, what I mean. Oh, yeah, where yeah. First, point. first wall is really fast, and then there's a breaking point, and then it's the second fall is like the sort of technical arm leg work. Yeah. And then the third one is when we get into all the batshit moves. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just me kind of. No, no, I, I think it, but. I think that's pretty. Um, I think that's pretty right on because um, it's a good observation because yeah, um, as someone that watches a fair bit of lucha, yeah, actually, when I think about it, that's that's broadly speaking a kind of classic, uh, a classic three act lucha um, sort of uh, build really. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah like... and that's what I that that's what I like about a lot of two out of three falls matches as well. You know, you don't mm. you don't get enough of them. I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I love them <laughs> so much. Like, like... That, what I like about them is that it gives it that you know that that three act structure and ultimately i you know i i wrestling is a performance art and i really yeah, like yeah. the way that it the way that that then breaks it down so that you're telling like that their chapters in a book or their their yeah. acting play and i really play, i yeah. like the i i like the idea that you know 
there's a story that they're telling and that actually they have a really clear idea of how these different segments break down. Yeah. And, that's yeah. A, and you know, I can I can see why they'd be trying to kind of import some of that style because Jaguar Yakuta did pretty well out of it. You know, she had some fantastic yeah. matches <laughs> in, in Mexico and she obviously saw that there was a lot there that was worth importing. And mm, I, I think yeah. that that's one of the things that she really innovates in Japan as well. It's 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 mm. not necessarily about the spots, although I lost my mind for watching her do a jackhammer slam and was just like, see, she yeah. still does it better than Goldberg. <laughs> and uh, but you know, so she invent so she innovates the moves, but I think she innovates things with match structures and the way that she actually goes about putting things together. Uh, you know, yeah. there there are very few people in history who can touch Jaguar Yakota for her for, yeah. for the contributions she made to developing oh. it as an art form. It's Mexico's greatest import battle of a massive Republican country. <laughs> it's the IOP. Well. Um, but um, yeah, like um, I think the thing is with um, with with Jag as well, though, is that as I say, if there was more footage available, I've got no doubt that she'd be probably breaking into my top ten of all time. Uh, you know, like um, uh, e- easy. Um, of, I, I, and I'm I, I'm not someone that classes like you know greatest female wrestlers and greatest male wrestlers. I don't grade in the curve. I just grade what I think is a good wrestler. You know, so I've got like a mixed list anyway. So she'd be well up there. But we should also I think talk about um, uh, Linus Asker because we haven't really actually spoken about her much here at all. Um, and uh, obviously being the uh, the other half of the Crush Gals um, with uh, Chigusa, who we were talking about before. Um, I always think, and I can maybe ask you guys if you agree with me or not on this. I always think Asuka is the slightly more, she's she's the slightly more, workman likes the wrong word, but she's the slightly more emotionally um, kind of, I guess, balanced or, or, or less kind of, um, you know, uh, she still has the kids um, behind her just as much in, in some ways, but you get the feeling that Chigusa's kind of really totemic. Whereas Asuka is kind of um, slightly more of a kind of, um, you know, um, real... Uh, she's the kind of person that, you know, someone like JR back in the day on, on commentary would have, destroyed, you know, would have gone into probably great depth about her, you know, collegiate background and all these kind of things. Like, you know, she's this incredibly hardworking, incredibly motivated... Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. she's the one where, you know, like, you can imagine Chig getting, like, you know, real angry if she was, like, you know, out and about and she's in the club, right, and someone's, like, you know, having a go at her and that and she's there, like, knocking a drink over and she's like, oh, you, you spilled a pint of John Smith's. And she's, you know, she's got proper small man syndrome and she's, like, having a go at them and that and trying to, like, ask him outside for a fight. And then, you know, Asuka just rocks up, you know, with a with, with a, with, with, with a glass of Prosecco and she's just, like, oh, you know, don't, don't waste time on them, you know, come back with me. Like, she'll just, you know, she'd shepherd her back onto the dance floor before Blue she's Monday. She's more rational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I could have just said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it wouldn't have been as good, though. She does yeah. have some... She does have some really great moments here as well. I mean, Ask like Lioness Asuka is, you know, we we talked a lot about how important Chigusa was, but you know, Lioness Asuka was absolutely fifty percent of the Crush Gals, and she obviously and she yeah, definitely yeah. had a huge amount of that support as well. But it, I, I love I love the way that she sells in this match, and I love the way that she sells on 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 offense. But also, there's some really logical, strong limb targeting. You know, she goes after Jag's right knee quite quite brutally as well. And you know, they between them they make the figure four look like a legitimate move that can hurt. And I'm not even convinced that Ric Flair ever did that all that well. So I, I'm just <laughs> I, oh. I feel like I feel like I've just broken broken Daniel's heart right there. Them, them uh, yeah. Them's fighting words. Yeah. yeah. But I think I preferred the Mizzies anyway, so <laughs> I preferred the Mizzy's figure four anyway. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. But I really, I, Actually, I, I, I really I, I like, like the 
<laughs> Sorry. I but yeah, I think I think going back, go, what, what you say about her being slightly more the the, the slightly more rational of, of the two crush girls, I think there's definitely there's a logic and there's a strategy to her approach in this match yeah. as well. They both want yeah. it over with quickly, but I think she obviously has a game plan. Yeah, um, and, and there are some there there are some awesome moments here when you see you, you hear the way that the, the crowd gets behind her so much in some of her comeback spots, and then so she there's a double underhook pile driver on her from Jag. She bridges out of it, and by the way, the the the, the classic Joshi bridging out of a pin is still one of my yes. favorite things ever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then she somehow manages to transition this into getting Jag with this nasty looking jumping tombstone and frankly yeah. those oh, for are two... jumping then... seated tombstone uh, no, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm really alarmed by the number of times people just got dumped on their heads in this match I'm sure that it was safer than it looked but they're really good at making it look like it's deeply unsafe I'm... I'm not. I'm not entirely sure it was as safe. It was safer than it looked. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, oh no, the, the, those those pale drivers gave me the ball. Oh, they, yeah, they are, they yeah. And, and actually, oh. like the the legwork previously in the match does feed into this um, this idea of because they are kicking out by bridging. If you work on people's legs, it's going to yeah. make it harder for them to do yeah. that. So it's quite logical. I mean, not only was Asuka's limb work very good, um, Jags was as well. Going a bit uh, further back in the. I guess what what we will call the um, the second movement, the adagio, if you will, of this match. Um, uh, Yakota, she kind of does the setup. You know when you do the setup for the Muta lock, and then you sort of you yeah. sort of fall backwards. You take a back bump yourself to work the leg. Mm. Uh, she did that very well. I thought she was. These women are so innovative with their moves that I thought she was actually going. For the Muto lock, I fucking know KG Muto invented that, like after 1985. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, but you know, the the fact is that these matches have been so crazy, and these women invented so many moves that if if that had actually happened, I would have gone like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if she if she enough. brushed at a Canadian destroyer, would be getting the tin foil hat out unless we're watching Infowars. <laughs> well, I had a really big trails, man. Chemtrails. I had a really big bowl of chili, yeah. and now I've lost custody of my kids. Yeah. <laughs> Putting chemicals in the water to make his children turn against him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turn him into gay frogs. Yeah. Oh, I was man. trying to think of like quite a clever segue to try and bring this back to the wrestling, and I realised I just don't have one. No, no. We're I mean, his This is it. I'm gone now. This is it. Yeah. I'm checking out. I mean, I mean, really, the the bloated, corpulent mess that is Al- uh, Alex Jones is essentially a segue uh, in human form into um, a world of misery. So um, that's uh, you know that, that's uh, that's something. Uh, but yes, I'd wrestling. Like to contrast that, that's that with good. the world of joy that's provided to me by watching AJW from the eighties. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> this is liquid yeah. wrestling. This is um, liquid the, wrestling. Yeah. There is, um, yeah, geez, some of the going into like the sort of the home stretch when um, they have decided, okay, it's the it's the finale, it's the third fall, so to speak. We're gonna get this uh, get this shit going again, and this um, it picks up when uh, Lioness Asuka decides. You know, I've had enough of you. I think I've worked your leg enough to be going on with now, and then just peppers Jag with kicks while yeah. she's like supine on the floor. Yeah. I mean, the the viciousness in this match is uh, is absolutely uh, 
fantastic. You've got you've got so much good stuff. Like even before this double underhook power driver, you've got this really stiff drop kick. You've got the um, uh, Asuka does the uh, power bomb with the alligator clutch afterwards. The uh, the one that uh, well, amongst other people, Kimberly and uh, Yoshihashi do when you sort of float over into a bridge. Yeah. Um, the oh, there's also a uh, there's a giant swing. In the there's a swing and a needlepoint spin, and I actually have a weird theory oh, about this giant yeah. swing. Oh, right? please, please no, do tell. We mentioned Alex Jones. Yeah, what's your yeah. weird theory? I, I'm, well, I'm, segue, bitch. I'm, I'm interested to hear about your airplane, airplane spin theory because I also have a theory, and I suspect that it's less exciting than yours. It's the, the giant swing, right? I feel, see if this was in the WWE ring, it yeah. wouldn't have worked as well. And do you know the reason why? Because they have a circular logo on their mat. Yeah, yeah. And they all swing within the circular logo and don't go out the lines and it's yeah, within. Yeah. And it just looks more aesthetically pleasing, her staying within this circle, springing around. It looks great. I think it, it, it may sound stupid, but I thought it added to the, the swing, whereas, like, because you could see that she wasn't just fleeing wildly yeah, all over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was a, a, a it was a proper circular motion. Yeah, like, and it well, was within the. That's the boundaries what, of the circle. That's the first thing that I thought as well, because when I, obviously the first thing that I thought whenever you see a giant swing these days is your mind goes to Cesaro because he's the most sort of recent, um, sort of like notable exponent of it in in, in sort of um, mainstream American wrestling. Uh, but yeah, whenever you watch one of his, it's it's clear that at a certain point he's just he's just operating on pure strength alone. Uh, and yeah, he's he, uh, like, you know, moving he, about. He begins to like go about and yeah, yeah, and you can tell there's always a bit where he gets a bit too close to the ropes. And the person that he's swinging sort of has to say, mate, do you want to like back, 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 back exactly, up? Exactly, yeah. You know? So you're actually right because with this aeroplane spin, it's literally just like the 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 sort of um the positioning of the feet is just like it's more or less just like stays in the it, yeah, same place as she goes exactly. around. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the other the, the other thing to say about the, about the airplane spin and the giant swings as well. Yes, all of that is absolutely true, but actually one of the most common finishers for female wrestlers to use going back to the 1950s was an airplane spin. So it's a move that people like Mildred Burke used an awful lot, and it's something that would have been seen a lot on those original tours when, when Burke and all of her American women came over. It was a, so in many oh, ways, I, I, I saw the, the airplane spin was quite a common, you know, going back to, you know, the very, very earliest days of women's wrestling where often it would still have been seen as like a... a a sideshow or a carnival act kind of thing. Mm. It was always, you know, nine times out of ten, they would be wrestling, you know, they'd take a bloke from the audience, or sometimes the bloke would be planted, but it'd be, you know, I'll wrestle the blokes and prove, you know, what a tough mm. woman I am. Do and you that mean to say plants in wrestling? I know, plants, plants, even yeah. in the carnivals, right? So this is, a, I appreciate that's a shock to everyone, but I'm going to just let, let you deal with that. Uh, and well, it's um, a, but, you know, it was a, one of the ultimate sort of tests of tests of strength or proofs of strength for for these big for these big women was being able to pick up their opponent and spin around with them on their backs and that was it was actually at the time that was a really big deal and the people looked at that and were like holy shit that woman's tough and, and it did make a huge difference uh, to to how those women were perceived Mildred Burt used it quite often. Um, quite a few of her contemporaries were using things like that in you know their their territories. Around the US, so I I actually saw that, and I really like the fact that it's a callback to yeah. you know thirty years earlier, the very beginnings of Japanese women's wrestling, and I I actually felt like that was particularly nice, given that this was Mildred Burke's belt that they they were fighting for. So I don't yeah. know how con- I don't know how conscious that was, but it was something that I picked up from having you know just recently read 
quite a few books about the history of women's wrestling and uh, and seeing how those things translated, I thought that that was actually a really nice callback. Conscious yeah. or not, I thought it worked really, really nicely. Ever, ever since yeah. its innovation, the airplane spin has always got a reaction. I mean, also in the 1950s, I mean, Luthez's big high spot, and you'll see this in the rematch between yeah. him and Ricky Dozan um, uh, from uh, October 1957, is he'd get you in an airplane spin, and then they sort of topple towards the ropes, and they both take a bump over the ropes to the outside. For 1957, mm. that's like a yeah, burning yeah. hammer. But yeah, the airplane spin, yeah, yeah. because airplane spins, like, firstly, crowds like to watch things rotate. Like, you know... They I, like to I'll be honest, yeah. I don't I, evolve, I, I, but I revolve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... It like getting getting someone up in the fireman's carry is as a feat of strength. It's just cool. Like you think about Joey Lawler, like uh, he got yeah. that really over Tyler Bate nowadays. Like yeah, that's one yeah. of the moves Tyler Bate uses to set up the finish of the match. Like it's a fucking airplane spin. But like yeah, yeah. it's just it's airplane spins are inherently cool. Seeing that uh, the airplane spin once featured my in my one of my favorite finishes of all time. I really can't remember where I seen it. I want it was it some sort of WCW like seashore or something like that. But possibly involving Jim Duggan, but I could be wrong. Where they did <laughs> it did an airplane spin right, and the and afterwards the the guy that he'd done the spin to was really really dizzy, and was all all over the place. And was so dizzy that he, he rolled up the referee. And so the guy who did the spin wow. did the count, goes, one, two, three. And he goes, yes, I've won. And he was sitting celebrating, and the other guy just rolled him up, and the referee counted. Amazing. That's so good. The other thing that I love is, like, the great wrestling physics logic of if you get put in an airplane spin, you get spun round real fast. But if you get spun round yes. the same amount of times in the opposite direction, you are magically fine and not dizzy at all. Because <laughs> that's that's definitely how it works. The other thing about the airplane spin is we're gonna, gonna do one of our classic subtle segues now. Airplane spin, nice safe safe move. Um, what I do want to talk about again, going to the finish. I mean, David, you said those uh, pile drivers um, uh, gave you the boke, as you Caledonians like to say. <laughs> is um, is that um, Asuka dumps uh, Jag outside with oh. a suplex, and then she tries a suicide dive, and mm. uh, Jag just moves. And Asuka just goes splat on the floor. Actually, I would I would say there was a part that was even scarier. It didn't pull off, but I think just before they did that, they tried to do a superplex to the floor, and my, and my heart stopped. I was like, oh my god, please don't do this. Yeah, that's... So, like, um, when... Yeah, it's a, it's a bit after um, the, oh, uh, right. the suicide dive. I mean, I recently went to... Um, I, we really need to be careful saying the word recently because this will probably come out in like 2021 or something. But um, I, in in the past, in my life, I was at a Pro Wrestling Eve show, um, which I, I don't know if I mentioned this show on the last episode, but... Um, shout out Pro Wrestling Eve, by the way. We always shout out Pro Wrestling yeah. Eve, but they're fucking great. Yes. Uh, I'm wearing a Pro Wrestling Eve shirt right now. Actually. She is. I'm wearing a t-shirt that says the Jackson 4, but that's by the by. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel's uh, wearing nothing. And the, uh, the main event <laughs> yeah. um, was um, of this show was... Uh, uh, Sammy Jane, who's their who's their champion at the time of the show, versus uh, Debbie Sharp, her former tag partner, who I had never really seen uh, much of and had not been whole, not been really impressed by. But um, she got put in this main event slot and absolutely blew it out. Probably the best um, live match I've seen to date in 2017, and I include uh, Riddle versus Shibata in that. No, I really did enjoy it. But in the queue, because like I didn't know anyone else going to this show, I got talking to this couple. And uh, even been getting a lot of publicity and things like Time Out and uh, uh, Sunday Times, BuzzFeed, whatever. And there was this couple and they had they had come to the show and they had never, ever seen wrestling. Like, not even on the telly. 
or really? anything like that. They had never seen wrestling in their entire lives. I, I, I just sort of got talking to them, and I was like, okay, well, uh, if, if it's okay, I'll like, hang out with you guys, because I, you know, I don't know anyone uh, here. And um, I also said, well, you've never been to wrestling before. Like, I will try and let you know if they're going to do a suicide dive. Once I'd explain yeah. what suicide dive was, um, because um, once you go to enough wrestling live, you begin to see the signs of yeah, they're going to yeah. do a dive, and you know when to get out of the way. So I was like, okay, well, look, if I see them gearing up for one, I'll um, I'll let you know. We can sort of dodge out the way. And towards the end of the match, they were teasing a superplex from the top rope to the floor, and uh, the girl of the couple just said to me, she was like, "Should we move?" And <laughs> I, I, w- I was just like, "They, they won't do that spot." So it's yeah, like we're yeah. fine, but the match was was had been escalated to such an extent that I still shuffled a little bit backwards. So I was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure they're not going to do this move, but there's that little 0.1 percent yeah. in my head that thinks, well, shit, they might. Yeah. And so and that's kind of what I felt with the with this match is like they probably won't do a a, a suplex to the outside. Like they they might they might do it. <laughs> they will. Yeah. That, that- that reminds me of when I went to see Impact. I took my mother-in-law, so she drove us there. <laughs> my mother-in-law. Let's start to a Bernard Manning joke. Like, I hate yeah. my mother-in-law so much, I took her to Impact. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a massive racist. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I took her, and I picked the best lucky week ever to take her, because it was the week before De- uh, Destination X, and they had an, an <laughs> X-Division Ultimate X qualifying tournament of like 16 flippity-dippity indie guys who'd never been on Impact before. And I took her and be like, you know what, you'll see Hulk Hogan, you'll see Sting, that'll be fine. And I didn't know this was happening. And then I seen a guy do a 619 round the post, round the ring post. And like, the, like even like the most basic high-flying moves, she was like, like absolutely, bre- like her breath was taken away. Like the first time someone did a suicide dive, she couldn't believe it. She was like... I, and like watching her reaction was more entertaining than watching the fucking matches. Yeah. Just she was like, she couldn't believe that like people could physically do this. Yeah. But yeah. Are uh, those things more entertaining than watching an impact match? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, again, yeah. it was like that couple at Eve, like a fucking vertical suplex. They were just going mad for us. Like, oh my exactly, god. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's some horrendous bumps towards the. Um, the end of, uh, of yeah. this match there's a there I mean the um, there's lots of the one that jumped on their heads yeah, the fucking yeah. missed suicide dive was um, just made me uh, <laughs> absolutely cringe and uh, yeah going into the finish of the match there's uh, there's a slingshot suplex from the outside uh, by by Asuka which is which is pretty great and then mm. yeah as, as you said David you think they're going to do a superplex to the outside in fact um, Asuka does a sort of front suplex off the top yeah. rope, and then yeah. she goes for the um uh well what um uh, anyway Ray Steve Ray Stevens would uh, would call it the bombs away so it's the knee drop off uh, the top rope um and uh, she misses it and then Jag uh hits for the finish a I guess a leg trap uh, backdrop hold yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, gets for three well you, th- you think she's gonna do the shin break which is the move you always do on SmackDown versus Raw 2008 yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah she goes for that and uh, bridges with the backdrop and uh, that gets the three and uh, she retains the WWWA championship yeah I, I thought this was I mean my, my one caveat with the match was like I thought the structure was a, a little bit weird now David's explained it to me actually and we've made this point about Lutra I actually like it a lot more and um, you know I think the the mad shit in this match was easily the equivalent of the mad shit 
in the previous match. It's oh, yeah. just there was maybe a bit less obvious. It was a bit less intricately uh, textured and structured. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know people who um, I've seen reviews of this show online where they have uh, they've preferred this to the penultimate match. And I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but I think it is in terms of the um, the big AJW singles matches of the 80s. Uh, this is this is uh, certainly up there in terms of quality as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what you guys thought. It's, yeah. it's like it's like Die Hard and uh, every time I watch Die Hard 1 or Die Hard 3 it becomes my favourite Die Hard film and it's yeah. just basically <laughs> on which one I watch last and like there is a compelling argument to be made for both being your favourite mm. same with like um, Alien you know, and Aliens like, exactly Alien and Aliens exactly um, things like that or Alien and Predator myself I mean it can change you know as to which one I prefer and things like that like you can make a solid argument for either being a favourite. I personally preferred the first one purely because it, it, that, that sports build-up that I mentioned, the sports presentation, it, mm. it was basically a boxing fight. See, at the end, it was basically Rocky versus Ivan Drago and Rocky Four. Yeah. Just <laughs> launching punches at each other. If he and dies, like, he dies. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Exactly. And it's like, it, it, like it, I've literally never seen anything like it. I've never seen a sports representation executed as well, even in places like rings and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I still yeah. feel that this felt more of a legitimate sporting contest than something from like rings or UWFI, just because of the presentation of it and the way yeah. that they they filmed it. Uh, we know even things like the spit buckets and the seconds and stuff like that, and even just having ASICs trainers because they're athletes, they're not wrestlers, they're there to wear the best stuff that's yeah. for them, you know, mm. in a sporting contest. I thought I'm not, it, it was so perfectly done that I loved it so much, and even though like in this one, to be fair, they did, you know, they came out with like, the boxing robes. They actually looked more like judo geese, but I think they were meant to be yeah. boxing robes. Yeah, yeah. And like stuff like that. I mean, and for the pageantry. They still had a lot of sporting element to this, but coming after, if it had been the other way around, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it may have been a bit different. You know, yeah. the other matches on uh, last. But yeah, I preferred the other one, but that's by no means does that mean that this wasn't a yeah. utterly yeah. amazing match. The crowd for the main event, they weren't burned out because they were still making a bit of noise, but the reactions were a notch below the ones yeah. that you would get for uh, Nagai versus Masami. And that, yeah, that's, again, testament to how over uh, Chikisa was. Uh, and when yeah, they say they were a bit toned down, I mean, WWF would absolutely kill to have a reaction like the one in the Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It's, it's all relative, you know. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't happen at WrestleMania for the Fed these days. Like, yeah. it, if, to yeah. be fair, maybe if, maybe if the show wasn't about four days long, they might still have yeah. some energy by the main event. But, you know. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe if, like, you know, yeah, the the main event wasn't with uh, pe- people like Triple H, but, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I think that especially you know you can you, you, you there's a there's a lot to be said about about these matches, but there's also a huge amount to be said about the matches that they've clearly influenced as well, and the fact that you can see you can almost see and and hopefully at, at some point you guys will then go on and look at one of the big um one of the big yeah. AJW matches from the nineties, say say Big Egg or, or Dream Slam or something yeah. or yeah, Destiny, we definitely all will. Big Egg, yeah, all yeah. thirteen hours of it, oh, <laughs> all twenty four Big yeah. Egg matches, yeah. five. Five definitely legitimate shoot matches. In, 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 in. Yeah, but you'll see, you'll see in those you'll see in those shows as well. You'll see the callbacks to these matches, and you'll see yeah. you'll see the you know the nicking the finisher of this person because that person was your trainer who inspired you so much. And and, and I think that this is you know this is an incredibly entertaining show from top to bottom. And I think I, I liked every match that was on it. I think yeah. that but you know you're also really that right there is. 
a chapter of wrestling history condensed into like five matches and, yeah. and that is a that i think is something that's you know worth anybody's time at the best of, uh, at the best of times yeah i mean if you want to get into uh ajw and we, we've actually got a friend uh luke who does write for i maintain the double foot stompy silly but mostly about joshi actually um luke has started doing a sort of work through of classic ajw and he's actually started with this show um on yeah. our recommend recommendation uh he, he even wait for the podcast episode which is which is which is good because like you know you might think it's shite, but um, <laughs> um, and yeah, he started with this, and yeah, I mean, not only is this an incredibly entertaining show in its own right, and I would encourage you to you know seek it out. You may have to seek it out piecemeal, lots of different fucking VO or YouTube uh, yeah. uh, videos, but it really is worth it. But not only that, it is a great jumping-off point for you in terms of what AJW would become new faces getting added to the promotion viz, um Akira Hokuto, Minoru Toyota, Toshio Yamada, Kong. Aja Kong yeah. and Bonacano debut this year or the next one, I think. Oh, Bonacano. Well, Bonacano's already, obviously. Oh, she's already there. We, we so reviewed her match in episode 11, you yuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, but, uh, but Aja does, doesn't she, right? Uh, no, she was like 87. Oh. I want she, to was say. A bit, uh, she was a bit later, anyway. Yeah, she debuted into a shoot uh, name, actually. Right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so she wasn't Aja Kong until I think they formed the uh, yeah. Jumping Jack stable. Yeah, yeah, She's not that yeah. far apart from Bonacano in age, but Bonacano oh, right, yeah, yeah. when it, she was a fetus. Well, it's a. Yeah, it says debut in 1986. So, okay. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, six and one half a dozen. The other one doesn't really matter. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but, but like, you know, you've got um, yeah, towards the end of the 80s, really, these people are coming up, and they're still mingling with people like the Crush Girls and some of the stars from the 80s, Monster Ripper. Um, but then you get yeah, the the new generation of recruits from the AJW dojo because like the reason I think we've touched on this before that they got such high quality talent in the 90s is because AJW was so popular in the 80s that you would get thousands upon thousands yeah. of teenage Japanese girls would turn up at the tryouts yeah. wanting to be like their idols. Yeah. Well, um, a- it was like the X Factor auditions today except with hopefully less annoying people. Yeah, I mean, and Akira, Akira Hokuto was, she was president of the Bornicano fan club. That's so good. And then she oh, went I on to... I, I, I want to know what you got when you joined. Was it like laminated cards... Like you could ring like a, a, a hotline to like uh, hear the latest news. Uh, maybe very much like Lee Sharp's famous uh, fan club. You might be able to <laughs> chance to have a, a barbecue at the end of the year with the woman herself. Um, you know. Um... All, I'm, all I'm saying is that if Akira Hokuto wants to take my money for you know continued membership of the new Bolkano yeah. fan club. Yeah. Take it. Take whatever yeah. you need, Akira. I'll, you, you, I'll you, pay. I'll pay Paul that nine yen a month. I don't care. I woke up like this, so. You know. <laughs> your, your, your entry pack is just a, a it's just a fucking like bloodstained pair of scissors and a lifetime subscription to Pucker Pies. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea you can get a prescription to a pie company. Not <laughs> a prescription, a subscription. Oh, like, your, doc, you your doctor's like, take two of these and some gravy and call me in the morning. Yeah, I thought you said a well, I'm not being funny, but we are yeah, in a part yeah. of the North where I would accept, I would accept oh, a pie mate. as a prescription. Yeah, but I, well, that's the thing is that I don't really see that I would need a prescription. My, my prescription for, uh, for, for pies, my lifelong prescription for pies is in my birthright as a northern man. Like, Damn know, right! Like, in it, like you know. Can you so, imagine the uh, famous uh, rock song "Pie" if it was about uh, pucker pies and uh, it would steak, be steak and kidney? It would be. It would be. It would be markedly better. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> um, well as that you get a copy of Bunkered magazine when you sign up as well. 
Oh, Why is it? Me. Can we please review like a golf event that Bill Nicano was at one time? <laughs> I think that'd be fucking brilliant. If there's any, yeah. if there's any footage of this, like actually, you know, you know what? I've got fucking Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2005 for the PlayStation 2 on that bookshelf. I'll just do my creator golfer. Oh, please do the best equivalent of. Actually, I'm gonna do that and post it on the fucking group tonight. <laughs> Bill Nicano, amazing. Oh. I I was I was just hoping that it was going to be um Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. Do you know what her finisher was when she was in golf? Power drive. Bill Nicano, you have to lie it to fill up on it. We suggest feather touch. You have chosen power drive. Well, I'm aware that you can't just leg drop the leg drop the hole if you if the ball doesn't go in it. Oh god, how many caddies did she went through just stabbing them with scissors? Yeah, yeah. She's like the worst boss ever. Like she's just like. We mentioned this in the last episode, but there's an AJW reunion happening quite uh, next month, I think. It's like in a good few weeks. The thing was, is I hope in that reunion event that she literally just comes out with some golf clubs. Yeah, and just just as she's about to uh, to lose the match, as she's uh, being pinned for the one two, whose music should hit but Colin Montgomery's? Uh, <laughs> hey. Hey, out, it's a seven-time PGA European Tour Order of Merit winner. Hey, 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 I'm, I'm not having to go. I'm not having to go. That's the second time uh, I've used that fact in this podcast. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to the uh, the Golf Paris podcast. Um, <laughs> and next up, we're going to brother VJ. Yeah. yeah, next up, we're going to listen uh, to uh, Rory McIlroy tell us about his favourite pies. Um, <laughs> so um, let's let's. So yeah, should we? Um, Bring things, bring things to um, to a close. Um, that was so the, close, yeah. the AJW twenty second of the eighth, nineteen eighty five Budokan Hall show. Um, we will be returning to uh, AJW and uh, Joshi in the future. We we really should do. If we don't do all thirty three days of Big Egg Wrestling Universe, we should at least do the V Top tournament, which was a eight woman elimination tournament. Um, yeah. To I was going to say to crown. I don't know what the fuck it was for, but anyway, it was a great. It was a great tournament. We should definitely review that. And to return yeah. to Joshi in the future, Sarah can do more of her uh, her history of yeah. uh, of Joshi, which we kind of stopped. To be fair, in I think I've sort of already done. <laughs> I figure. I figure we've just done that now, haven't we? Well, yeah, history stopped in 1985, like it did for conservatives. So. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but 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 history started um, in 1992 when the Premier League was formed. And that's... Nothing happened before then. Like... That's true. Right. Um, um, so yeah, yeah um, that that was our AJW double bill. All that remains is for us to um, Sarah. Have you got any shit you'd like to plug? Um, probably around about the time that the first of these episodes is going out, or indeed maybe the second scene, as that's where this plug is going. I will probably release an article on the website about AJW in line with it, in keeping with the reunion show as well. That does also depend on this episode being out on time, so we'll see how oh, far it will. That goes. It will. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah, but yeah, I, you know, we, we continue to we continue to shamelessly plug. I maintain the double foot stomp is silly dot com, um, which is our you know the the, the site where me and all of our friends basically kind of come together and ramble about wrestling. Um, it's 
pretty good. Follow us at Two Times Foot Stomp on Twitter because we like to also talk shit about things like Robot Wars. And I mm. believe I tweeted at one point this week um, using the hashtag Athletics is Pro Wrestling. Um, so, you know, <laughs> or I did during the time of writing anyway because we watched this during the IAAF World Athletics Championship and Usain Bolt was the perfect example of putting over young talent on his way out. And. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I uh, so so yeah I, I've been using the hashtag athletics is pro wrestling. Um, that injury angle at the end of the four by one hundred meter relay. I mean, his his selling on that hamstring was was incredible. It was. I, I mean, was. to be fair, athletics is very much like pro wrestling because much like WWE, the top stars aren't drug tested rigorously. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, like um, yeah, we also have uh, have our own shit to plug. I mean, you can find yeah. um, our opinion pieces and. Uh, links to our podcast and I remember to upload them on I maintain the double um, we I mean I hope we still I hope SoundCloud still exists by the, uh, by yeah. the time well, this, actually uh, um, there's been down. a last minute bid from Quig White and Ticketus and they, <laughs> yeah. and they have um, actually they've actually received 140 million worth of funding on Friday I was um, it's also very annoying for me because a lot of the experimental music I make on my phone, which I basically can get off my phone using SoundCloud. Yeah. So if SoundCloud goes down, I will literally not be able to make any music anymore. Yeah. So I yeah. spent yesterday backing up everything onto SoundCloud. Yeah, me and too. Then, um, yeah. So it's it's there for a while. Um, apparently. Yeah. Oh, that's but, good. You know. So we uh, the big we... house must stay open, as we all know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, we are we ostensibly have SoundCloud, um, yeah. which is, um, you can type, actually, we, if you type Puri Puri Podcast into Google, we will now autocomplete. So uh, that's, yes. that's really exciting. That, uh, that proves we've arrived. Um, yeah. There's can, an algorithm somewhere that knows who you are, and that's that's a compliment. That algorithm well, At least there's someone there who knows we are, even if it is an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's, all, it's always nice to know that there's someone uh, there looking, looking out for you as well, because I don't really have anything to plug other than the gaping void of sadness in my heart um so um if you can plug it at least that's fine like, well well you know um uh, i'd uh, yeah it'd be fine just uh just should we not be just like trying to plug your tinder profile or something at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah so find me at um singleandreadytomingle.com uh, no, no, no strings, no, no strings attached. Com. Um, Chains attached, but no strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his yeah, pet life yeah. tags are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Mainly, mainly find me in the street outside the office. Um, I'm begging people for money to get home on the bus. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that your pet life category? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very mundane and some would say um, dowdy fetish. Um, but um, I, I like. Hanging around off licenses with bottles of cider in my bag. Um, right, yeah. So, um, that's all I've got. Yeah, yeah. So that's really all, all, all I've got to plug. Uh, just everyone out there, keep on keeping on. There's someone, no matter who you are, who loves you. And you can find Twitter. us on Twitter at Puro Podcast. <laughs> Am I not allowed to plug anything? No. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. <laughs> No you sounded problem. very sincere yeah. saying that. I like that. Yeah, 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 it has been, yeah. been fun. Yeah. You know. She might even return. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so, George, um, what are we doing next? Well, um, it's funny you should say that, uh, David. We've certainly not discussed this um, in a little no. break in recording because we weren't sure what we were doing next. What we are doing, and we're very excited about doing this, is that 
Uh, following on from our uh, escapades with the New Japan New WFI feud, and to uh, commemorate the um, was it the anniversary show of Pride? Yeah, so it was on October the 11th, 1997, is when Pride's first show was. We are going to do an episode on uh, Nobuhiko Takada's uh, brainchild, the uh, or Nobuhiko Takada and some very legitimate businessmen's brainchild, the Pride Fighting <laughs> Championship, which at that time, um, as we may have said in episodes 4 to 7, Japan's premier uh, MMA fighting promotion, you are going to get some of the greatest MMA fights of all time. You are also going to get mad shit involving sumo wrestlers wrestling yeah. man one fifth of their size. Um, big big guys who claim they fight and I quote NFL style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ma- mad tramp fights between a pro wrestler who never won an MMA fight in his life and a mustachioed American man in stars and stripes shorts. Yeah. Giant silver from the WWF stable, the oddities, and everything in between. So yeah. that is going to be our next episode, episode 13, the Pride Fighting Championship. Um, I have I'm... been George Thompson, and uh, thank you to Daniel, David, and to our special guest, Sarah. And um, we will leave you with just this. Keep watching the skis. Right, let me just double Oh shit, Elliot's starting for Newcastle, he's in my fantasy football team. Oh, here we go. Like... He's, he's only like 20. Isn't he like dead young? Uh, I, I've probably. never heard of him, so I assume he is quite young. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was definitely a sub keeper, but he's got the number one shirt, so I don't know if he is a sub keeper, but. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was saying to David earlier, like, my fantasy team's bottom of our mini league, and then I realised it's because, like, I've got three Spurs and three Man U players in my team, and, like, they've not played yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I've, I've started a fantasy football team like once a season, uh, every season since like ten years ago, and I, I, I get past the first weekend, I just lose interest. Like I'm really bad at it. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, my, we have another league. Me, and my, me and my friends. My friend has a team, and he's also put in an under twenty threes team. <laughs> so he's got like, uh, FC Crazy Clowns and FC Crazy Clowns under twenty threes. And it's just like literally his, he's going to do it the whole year and he's literally going to pick players who were born, who were 23 on the first day of the season um, uh, or under. And yeah, um, he's probably going to fucking win it. He's going, going to do better with that than he will with his actual team. I bet you any money. Well, you win nothing with kids, so. Um, <laughs> uh, right. so Alan, Alan Hansen on the stardom roster, eh? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
designed to be half sword and half halberd, our Nadashi bridges the gap between a long, heavy polearm and a shorter, lighter sword. Intended for strictly two-handed use, it offers the reach and cutting power you would associate with a Naginata and the speed and maneuverability of a katana. The key is its extra-long handle, which provides the gripping power and leverage necessary to make this unique hybrid come alive in your hands. I really enjoy the Nodachi, and I really appreciate the advantages it gives me in reach and cutting power. When you're vertically challenged like I am, every little bit of extra reach helps, and the Nodachi fills the bell. I really encourage you to look into the Nodachi. It's a very powerful, strong sword, and I'm sure you're going to be really happy with it when you purchase one. I've, I've actually, the other, the other week at work, I was listening to um, the DDT episode, and if anyone, like, at work, saw me like just scrawling numbers in my pad like they're probably be like oh it's something to do with the excel spreadsheet he's doing whereas actually it's just timestamps for things i needed to question with david institution now in administration from soundcloud this moment was a long time coming but it's still painful we need to know what's happening at this club that is a problem nobody seems to want to talk to the fans don't just ask the club it's the families that come here together The league's gone and that's it. Right. The bottom line is, the big house must stay open. That's the bottom line. SoundCloud. Sonar Craig White insists that's his aim too. He's a controversial figure, having served a seven-year ban from holding company directorships. But Mr White hopes administration can clear the club's debts, not least the tax bill, which he says could reach £75 million. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, okay, shall I just do like, I've, uh, I've, 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 I've got to go in a sec. Uh, yeah, I'll just do an outro, yeah. shall, like, shall I? I've, I've yeah. got to go and record some trumpet. Um, that's not a euphemism. Like, um, <laughs> yeah.
No secret to dying 